Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the show, and we drag the cage uh, from uh, training camp. Last week we were at the Canadian Brew House, and today we have uh, the first of three shows in a row here uh, in the Saskatoon area. I say that because we're coming to you live from Flam and Sales. Uh, just northwest of Saskatoon, uh, kind of in the periphery area here, as uh, they've been big supporters of our Rough Rider broadcast and everything we do at CKRM. So we thought we'd do them a solid and come out here, and I dragged out a very special guest here to kick the show off, and we'll introduce him in a second. This show is brought to you by our good friends over there at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport cultures and recreation groups. You can always interact with us. You can either call us locally at 936-6262 or toll free at 1-866-767-0620. Now, a reminder that the 936-6262 number is our text line. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. So we will take your questions and uh, comments about uh, anything going on in the sports world. Uh, we do have CFL on the brain. We do cover the Rough Riders from pillar to post and the the CFL for that matter. All right, let's uh, get our guest in here, and then we'll break down the sports stories of the day as we move along. Lots of rider guests, too. And we'll start it with the president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Reynolds. Uh, now, we're here at Flam and Sales. It's great to be here, but you've been around your old alma mater, the U of S. What's it like for you to, to, to get back? Yeah, I, I love it, Michael. It's just great walking around campus and just being part of uh, campus life and, and camp life for a little bit. And There's a little bit of memory lane. Every once in a while, you walk around and you remember certain places you were and, and obviously been to Griffith Stadium lots as a, as a student and now to be there to watch the guys, it's, it's great. How important is it for you guys to come up here to Saskatoon, be around, let the fans be here on a daily basis, and then have something like you had, although abbreviated, on Saturday? Yeah, it's hugely important, massively important. Like, you know, and it really resonates with me growing up in, in, in Foam Lake. Like, the the Rough Riders have always been Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're the province's team. And so you can't just say that. You have to kind of live it, right? Yeah. And, and I think one of the ways we live it is to have camp up at Saskatoon, to be up here for three straight weeks and to have uh, fans from Saskatoon and northern Saskatchewan be able to come you know, watch watch camp, or in the case of Saturday, come to a state of the nation sort of mm-hmm. discussion with with Coach Dickey and and Jeremy, and and um, and then have the the green and white game, although it was abbreviated, mm-hmm. of course. But I was just I was it, the, the turnout was incredible. Like that was the most amount of fans we've had at both of those events, oh, as long as I can remember. It was it was it was fantastic. So yeah, it's really really important for us to be up here as well. We spend a lot of time in the off season, uh, you know, getting to you mm-hmm. know every part of Saskatchewan we can with our with our players, but to have the whole team up here in Saskatchewan. I think it's pretty special. You know, it's a, I never thought about this till you mentioned it there. Foam Lake, you're from Foam Lake. I knew that. 
you know, it's about an hour or so away. Uh, how, how often did you come in to watch a Ryder game? And you would really appreciate how these fans invest their money and their time for the football team that you're in charge of. So when they're mad, y- you do have to take it seriously. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, yeah, it was a couple hours, you know, Foam Lake to Regina is, is, is a couple hours. Foam yeah. Lake to South Sea is yeah. a couple hours. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it was, it was not an every week occurrence where you no. got to see the team. It was pretty special. Like we'd go to two, three games growing up, two to three games a year. And, and I totally appreciate the challenges of, of out of town fans, uh, whether it's the cost of, of gas and those types of things or the time, you know, getting home late. I remember several times as a kid coming home and like sleeping on the way home and my, my yeah. dad's driving us home. And, and so, you know, it's, it's the, Provinces team and our out of town fans make a lot of sacrifices to be part of Rider Nation, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, so, you know, there's some things that happen where, um, for instance, uh, you know, the saying is perceptions, everything and facts are negotiable. You guys got hit with a ticket surcharge, unbeknownst to you, that kind of boosts the, boost the price up. I believe it was last October, if I'm not mistaken, that's when that went into the effect, PST, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you're not in charge of the gas prices and everything like that. But I do like, uh, a couple of things you guys have just announced. We kind of touched on it a little bit ago, like a few months ago when you are on the show, but mm-hmm. I think it's worth reiterating. You dropped 9,000 tickets to a more quote unquote affordable price base. Just Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. What we did was we looked at the, the stadium and, and the capacity of, of various price points, and we sort of said, let's just expand the price points or the, the number of seats available at a lower price point. So mm-hmm. it's called rescaling the stadium is what, what we did. And so there's just more ticket inventory available at the lowest price point, which, which in our case is the, is the white white tickets. And then we took some other ones that used to be, you know, used to be green and now are bronze. And so we just adjusted 9,000 seats. So the the net effect of that is, like you said, so 9,000 seats have, have now dropped dropped in price. So so that's one of the things we've done to try to combat the And the menu, houses. too. Talk about that. Yeah, the other thing I was just going to mention that um, is uh, working, you know, closely with the stadium operators and the concessionaires is we've now got $5 menu items. Every concessionaire is going to have $5 menu, uh, a $5 menu item. And it's going to vary by concessionaire. So it's not just a hot dog everywhere. Yeah. It's going to be a different product at the different concessionaires. So you got a little bit of variety, but every single one will have a $5 menu item to try to help with the, the affordability around the food. So that, so, so, uh, the Reynolds family coming in from Foam Lake, they can maybe afford to go to where they could go to one game. Maybe they can squeeze in two or three games. Maybe they can buy a shirt when they're there or something like that. Yeah. yeah that's the, that's the hope is just, you know, again, like we talked about before, it's a big Price of gas and the, and the time commitment. It's a it's a big commitment, and so if we can help a little bit on the affordability side, you know, and, and, the, and we're all faced with the challenges, right? Yep. Like on the food side of things, one of the biggest challenges is the cost of food has gone up, right? So as an organization, we're battling that a little bit as well. So I was really impressed with how the teams worked with the concessionaires to come up with a five dollar uh, product that that's affordable, and you can take your family out and and you know get your kid a hot dog or whatever the case may be. And uh, did you guys? Not just you, I'm talking as a league. Yeah. Did you underestimate that people would come back faster than they did after COVID? Did yeah, you, I, I think sports in general kind of did. I, I think the world did, to, to expand even broader, and especially in the live events spectrum. I think there was this thought that COVID was going to end, and everybody was just going to go back to doing exactly what they did with the frequency that they used to do it at. And, and live sports and live entertainment is, is, is a perfect example of that. I think everybody just thought, okay, everybody's going to want to rush back and go to concerts. Everybody's going to want to go to events again. Everybody's going to want to go to football games. Everybody's going to want to go to hockey games. What we found is it's habits changed, I think is what happened. Like habits changed and, mm. and, um, people got used to doing certain things. Um, they, you know, in particular case of the CFL, which I think hurt us is the loss of the year, right? People, 
uh, broke some habits that they got into. Maybe they went to the lake, uh, you know, a little bit more. And so they're spending a little bit more time doing, doing that. Cause, cause you see it on the t- television ratings are very, very strong, but you know, not just us, but across sports, you're seeing a bit of attendance challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I think COVID has a bigger impact than we all anticipate. Did you guys ever seriously consider playing that bubble season? Was it, was there a chance that you could have done it? And looking back on it, you, you know, around the table, do you guys, maybe we should have played that season? Yeah. You know, there was a chance for sure. We were working really, really hard to come up with, with a scenario that, that could work. Um, countless hours ar- around it. Um, should we have? I, I don't know because, you know, the challenges, there was so, so many challenges. And, yeah. and, and as you know, things were moving so rapidly at the time, mm-hmm. you know, around the health and safety and, and, those types of things and so so ultimately we landed where we landed but we were we put a lot of time and effort a lot of people to put a lot of time and effort to try to make that that work and it's for that exact reason because we didn't want to be out of out of mind right yeah you know i i've liked what you guys have done um on a few fronts let's start with draft night we covered it for the first time ever you were part of it a little bit we did it from pillar to post we plan to do that going forward because i say we're at the cement mixing part we haven't even started to pour the foundation because nobody's done it so if we can do it then the next we put the foundation and then we start to build the house you guys did it too at the draft night party in there um i, I like what you did there that's that's that that was a good initiative yeah and i, I credit full credit to you guys to, to do that to cover the draft like you said from from the very first pick to the very last pick never been done before and I think I think that's how we grow this league right yeah. was, we keep talking about it we keep doing these types of things and that event we held it was a, another example of that we just we hadn't done that um, yeah. so we sort of let, let's let's do it and we made it a season ticket holder because we want to provide value for our season mm-hmm. ticket holders mm-hmm. um, you know and so we made a, a season ticket holder dr- draft party and we had we had a good good turnout and mm-hmm. it's one of the things talking with Seth who, who organized yeah. the events at our, at our um, with our team and he does a great job and he saw it in Hamilton they, they've done something similar mm-hmm. and every year it just grows like you said Seth so next year we think it'll grow and then the year after that it'll grow. Yeah. So we just have to, you know, stick with these things and, and, and keep keep trying new things. And some of them are gonna stick and some of them won't. But yeah. you know, uh let's let's try some things. So you guys had a very successful Grey Cup here. Uh you got the plan eight years for it, it seemed like, <laughs> felt right? Like it, right, yeah. felt like it. You got you guys had a chance to do that. So let me ask you this. Do the Tiger Cats come in here, their group, see what you did, say, Hey Craig, what can you help us with? Or or is it almost like you're on in your own silo when it comes to the Grey Cup? No, definitely not. So there is a good handover process, I would say, and the Thai Cats did send a, a really good contingent last year to, to our Greg Cup and spent some significant time with us. And you know, you get these sort of I don't know what the official term is, but it's like a backstage pass yeah. where you get to go to every event and sort yeah. of sort of look. And we did the same thing in Calgary in 2019 yeah. because we yeah. were obviously supposed to do it in, in 2020. And so they spent a lot of time doing that. And then we actually hand them over, you know, a almost a playbook. Is Here's what we did. Here's what we, we learned. Here's yeah. what we, we recommend you do again. And we actually... Because we had some federal funding, we actually bought some some assets. I'll, I'll call them. We we're able to actually deliver them to Hamilton as well. So you, yeah. you could see some assets that actually were purchased as part of our Great Cup be a part of future Great Cups, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool as well. So uh, I had proposed this to the commissioner at Great Cup Week. Um, uh, I said, "Hey, the one thing the CFL stumbled into, and I say stumbled because that first CFL week was." It was just like, we'll hold it in Regina because we know it's going to be successful. And it was. And then it went to Winnipeg, and then it went away because of COVID. Nobody's fault. I asked him, are you bringing it back? Well, we it was a good idea, but we're maybe looking at doing a digital footprint and, and, and do it that way. Okay, so on that on that train, I really like what you guys have done 
as it relates to stepping up your media game. For instance, my cohort, Luke Molitor, the the uh, cart conversation with him and Blake, cart, yeah. right? Grabbing yeah. guys, okay? Yeah. Um, that, that, that spoof where Lothar kicks the chips onto Rob Vanstone and you got Moncrief in the kitchen and stuff. Like, you guys have stepped up your social media game. Is that something you talked about, uh, you know, in pre-planning for this year? Yeah, thanks. First of all, thanks for that, Michael. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we really wanted to do was just, you know, this year is, is really about two things. It's about football and the product on the field, and, and, and it's about our fans. It's about engaging with our, with our fans and really uh, increasing the frequency we're doing that, uh, the ways we're doing that, and, and just trying to engage in new and creative ways. And a lot of that nowadays, as you know, is, is done digitally and with social media. And so one of the things I think that was happening was because of the length of time we were planning the, the Great Cup, yeah. is there was a lot of focus and attention as it needed to be because we needed to, you know, that was the first Great Cup post-COVID. So there was a lot of pressure and expectations and, and it needed to be big and it, and it was. Um, but I think subsequent to that, we really focused in as an organization on how can we be, how can we engage with our fans in more creative ways? And we have some incredibly talented people. Like you, you mentioned Blake, right? Like, so Blake, Blake's vision was around that, that little spoof. We worked with some very talented people, Tandem X, and we made we made that happen. And it was the engagement was was through the roof. And and so those are the types of things that we want to do more of. Um, and you're exactly right. We talked about it in the off season. Let's let's really up our game. Well, and I think we talk about the cement mixing analogy and everything. We talk about chemistry on the field. Um, might I suggest you got some chemistry now kind of in the boardroom, like you've got Seth and you've got Ariel and Thomas in communications and you got Blake and you got Morgan and everybody's going into their second and third year. So now you kind of know what the, you know, if the quarterback doesn't quite know what the receiver's doing, the pass falls incomplete. Now maybe there's not as many balls falling on the ground. You guys are figuring it out. Absolutely. It's, it's like a veteran team, right? That knows what, you know, what, what's, what's, what's everybody's role is and, and, and how to move the ball down the field, if you will. And I think that's the other thing with Cole. COVID that that really hurt not just us but a lot of businesses we had to really make a lot of changes to to get through it mm-hmm. um and we had to downsize and so then we had to rehire and we hired some incredibly talented people you mentioned a, a ton of them uh, jackie herbert's another one that's yeah. a director of marketing she's she's fantastic what she does but you're right they're all entering their second seasons or their third seasons where just like on the football field people start to hit 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 their hit their stride right yeah. and so we're seeing that i think we're going to take a break be back with one more segment with craig reynolds president and ceo of the saskatchewan rough Run we're coming to you live from Flamin' Sales just northwest of Saskatoon here on your Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Flamin' Sales here just northwest of Saskatoon. Thanks to them for getting on board with our rider broadcast and what we do on CKRM. So we thought we'd come live to say thank you to them. And we brought our friend Craig Reynolds, president and CEO. And I'm glad you're out doing this stuff. I told you this uh, personally, and I've said it in other spots too. I... I do think you need to be out more, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I think you, like people have said, oh, I've, I've heard this, and, and, and a lot of it was, and we've talked personally, so I'm not speaking out of school, a lot of it had to do with COVID, but I've heard like, oh, I'm, I feel disconnected from the riders, I don't yeah. feel like the riders, like the riders are my team, that's what I've heard a lot of, you know, just my boots on the ground, so it's good that you're out uh, pressing the flesh again, and you, in fairness, you guys have had the guys, I think five of them, a collection of five, out with the mental health talks and all that stuff. So you are getting back to, I think, being the rough riders again. Yeah, I, I agree, Michael. Like, I, I, COVID really hurt us. It really hurt us because we couldn't, and it wasn't 
just the COVID year. Let me just move that mic up a little bit. Sorry, Perfect. Craig. Uh, sorry, man. Just give me a second there. There it is. Okay, go ahead. Awesome. Yeah, so I was, as I was saying, I, you know, I think the COVID year really hurt us. And yeah. it was a couple of years because you had the COVID year and then we actually got back on the field, but it was so restrictive. The guys couldn't do anything. They literally had to go practice, home, practice, home. Mm-hmm. And so two years, really, where we weren't doing some of the things that make the riders the riders, and that's getting out in the community, getting to events, getting our, our kids or our players out to schools, interacting with kids. And so we've that's the other thing. When you talk about focus, that's the other focus this, this year, and it's part, part of fan engagement is just community, getting out into the community, and that's province-wide. That's not just Regina, not just Southern Saskatchewan. That's, that's everywhere we can possibly get to. And so our mental health uh, ambassador, hit 15,000 kids this this offseason wow. with a mental health program. And uh, those are things that are going to pay dividends down, down the road. And we had just a great number of guys who did it not because um, we were paying them or anything like that. They did it because they wanted to. And Brett Lothar told me that. I said, hey, Brett, how are you? Because like, sometimes guys just talk, right? Yeah. He said, I'm telling you what, Ballsy, I I love that. I could have been at home in downtown Calgary with my girlfriend hanging out, going to Flames games, and I wanted to be here to work out, and I wanted to be in the class. I wanted to be in the room with the kids. Yeah, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to call out um, in particular players, but Braden Lennox is another one. He actually matured. That guy's matured with his speaking, hundred percent. But he he actually was living like he lives in BC. Yeah, he can't comes back. To do to do this, which is just incredible, and, he, and like you said, he's done a great job. But Mitch Pickton, Moncrief, Jorgen Hughes, like I'll miss somebody if I start naming yeah. them. But they've just been been fantastic ambassadors for the club. And now that we have got the rest of the team here, um, you know, in the lead up to the season, you know, Trevor was doing a whole bunch of appearances. Jake Winnicky was doing a whole bunch of appearances. Some of the new guys, Peter Godber was doing some bunch of appearances. So so it's really good. I think every, uh, especially a lot of our new players, have really embraced what it means to be a rough rider, which is getting out there in the community and interacting. With I think fans. they. Uh, I talked to a couple of them. I think they got the deer in headlights. Like they didn't realize. Like Peter Godber said, in my time in BC or in the league, I've been interviewed three times. I've been interviewed three times this week. He said I went to the the the, the furniture store and somebody said, "You're a rider," and he said, "Yeah, I'm a rider." And they didn't know who he was. I said, "Yeah, I sure hope they fix that old line because it sucked last year." And he said, "Yeah, I hope they do too." And he walked away. But but just you know, and you know who the real deal is? Trevor Harris is the real deal. He is the real deal, just how he interacts. And, you know, one thing Logan Furlan said that was pretty telling, he goes, this guy is on the field and he's changing protections, and I've never had that before. I mean, that that I think that could pay dividends. That's what I'm really looking forward to, just to seeing what he can do in terms of being a coach on the field. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and he's got such great innate, and they're innate leadership skills, just the yep. way he carries himself. And, and, and yeah, I think he's going to be a tremendous leader on the, on the field. Uh, he's like another coach on, on the field. But the thing I've been most impressed with is how he's embraced the what it means to be a rider. Uh, like I said before, I th- I just think he's he's absolutely em- embraced that. Um, you know, and and he's in, you know, he's closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career. And I think this is the right place for him at this at this stage of his career. I don't think, contrary to what some people think, it was uh, a free for all in the locker room. I'm not saying that. Like I don't think there was a huge culture problem. But just in talking to the guys that I talked to, the veterans that have come back, and they're like. I talked to C.J. Rivas today. He said, this is, a, this is a collegiate feel. Like This feels like college. Guys are hugging each other. Guys are high-fiving each other, whether it's Trevor Harris, whoever. And I, it feels like you have a little bit more of a a meshed setup as you go into the season. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And I've heard similar feedback. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I like being up here is because you get to interact with the guys. You get, you get to get a feel, right? Mm-hmm. You get, you get a sense, you know, and just in terms of interacting with the coaches and sitting in some of their meetings and then just interacting with the players at, at, at lunch or, or dinner, seeing them in the hallway and you get a feel for that. And I, I'm sensing the same thing. And, and, you know, that's 
part of training camp is about that. It's about gelling and coming together as a team. But I'm sensing that there is a really good vibe and a, and a, a camaraderie here that uh, hopefully is going to pay dividends. Now, don't don't mistake urgency for panic. I don't want to I don't want to mesh the two words. But lastly, I've asked everybody this: is what's the vibe at camp like on the field? What's the messaging? Is it different? And to a man, everybody says it just that we we're here last year. Just feels like it's there's more a sense of urgency. There's more focus. I don't know if that's a commentary on last year or who was in the room, who was leading the team. But is it is it coming from the top? Like you guys know what's on the line here. I don't have to. Nobody, everybody knows listening that's a Ryder fan knows what's on the line. Has there been a distinct message from the top, from you, from O'Day, from from Dickey? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And it's you, you hit the word. It's 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 focus. And I've just been really in, impressed with how Coach has sort of conducted camp to, to date, and even how you know introductory. You know, as somebody came here, he's been really culture focused. He's been really value focused. He sat through and, and, and took the guys through our, our corporate or not corporate I shouldn't say that our club club values, right? Mm-hmm. And we value integrity. We value the community. We value accountability, respect and, and excellence. And he's really took the team through that um and and, and has continued to, to preach that. And and I think you know that 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 stuff matters when you sort of set the tone at the beginning um you mm-hmm. know around sort of expectations or what what coach is looking forward and and then i think you know it goes back obviously to building the team with jeremy you mentioned jeremy like mm-hmm. the type of players they they sat down and they really sort of said what are the type of players we want to we want to bring what are the type of players we're going to go after this year whether it's free agency or the draft process just be really really focused in mm-hmm. on that i think we're late for a break but i got to ask one more question i found this interesting i i, I know you haven't been up for all of camp i've been up for most of camp and i haven't surveyed the crowd like intently but i haven't seen al ford up here and i think maybe that's by purpose like he didn't want to overshadow his grandson it must be killing him not to be not to be watching his grandson on every you know every practice every snap in rider colors yeah i wonder i wonder if when we get back to regina he'll he'll be a little bit more present but uh what a what a great young man jackson ford is i know mm-hmm. Yeah, he's awesome. But hey, thanks for your time, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's always great uh, talking to you. We'll be back with more of the uh, sports cage from Flam and Sales in a moment on 620 CKRM. 3.33 with your sports ticker. NHL tonight, Western Conference Final. Vegas Golden Knights up two games to none on the Dallas Stars. Game three goes in Dallas tonight at 6 p.m. Must win for the Stars, you would think. The Miami Heat will go for the sweep tonight of the Boston Celtics. Yes, the Heat can punch their ticket to the NBA Finals with a win. Winner of the series will move on to face the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals as the Nuggets swept the Lakers last night. The Blue Jays look to get in the win column. They've been struggling as of late. Toronto is in Tampa opening pitch at 440. Time now for Cougars in the Cage. A weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. Cougars in the Cage for Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Coppell. 
Well, the University of Regina have hired Sabrina Nettie as its men's and women's track and field head coach. Nettie comes to the Cougars from Trinity Western University, where she had served as an assistant coach since 2018. And Nettie specialized in coaching long jump and triple jump with the Spartans, while also contributing to the program in the areas of recruitment, team building, you name it, well versatile. And her wealth of experience in the sport includes a long stint with BC Athletics as their introductory program coordinator, a full-time role that she held since 2017, and she also gained volunteer experience as a coach and board member with the Surrey-based Universal Athletics Club. And I know the Cougars are excited because she's just not a coach, student-athlete as well. Nettie competed for two years at Stanford University and two seasons at Trinity Western, a prolific talent with the Spartans. She was the 2014 CIS Field Athlete of the Year and remains the Canada West record holder in the long jump and Sabrina Nettie represented Canada twice on the world stage competing in the long jump at both the 2012 NACAC U23 championships in Mexico and the 2013 summer games in Russia so Sabrina Nettie the new men's and women's track and field head coach and she's featured today on Cougars in the Cage you're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders the sports cage on 620 CKRM Welcome back to the uh, Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lottery. It's the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Coming to you from Flamin' Sales, northwest of Saskatoon. Short Egg. Anything Short Egg, they got you covered, okay? And uh, they've got the grain services here as well. So uh, make sure you stop on by. Uh, they, they say they're usually busy this time of year, but all the farmers are in the field. So uh, just uh, remember, you're uh, in... Uh, you know, the short egg business, check out Flam and Sales. All right, Vegas at the Dallas tonight. Stars needing to win. They're down uh, two games to none. Boston's at Miami. My own Sean Kleisinger called the Miami Heat in the championship. Um, how about uh, the Joker, Jokic, Sean? Mm. Like, did you see that one shot falling backwards over his head? Seven footer sinks a three pointer. That guy like Larry is. Bird. Uh, that guy is. And he's a prime example of. Uh, it doesn't matter where he get drafted. He got drafted during a Taco Bell commercial <laughs> yeah. during the NBA draft. They had a Taco Bell commercial, and his draft, like his pick, wasn't even like uh, you know, it wasn't even promoted. He was just picked during a Taco Bell commercial. Mm-hmm. So forty first overall. The Joker. Yeah. So LeBron James, retire or not retire, like like Tom Brady did and, and others, we're going to have to wait whether LeBron comes back or not. But he scored 40 points yesterday, 31 in the first half. I think LeBron's coming back, don't you? Yeah, he's not going to retire. He wants to play one season with his son, Bronny. I know that's what's on his mind. That's what's uh, keeping him going. I mean, uh, Bronny will be starting college at USC, I believe, next uh, next. Uh, year, so it's pretty close. I mean, yeah. just two more years, and then he could be playing with his son. So I don't think he's going to retire. Mm. No, I don't think so either. How about those uh, new Argos uniforms? What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I don't really like it. Too much baby blue. Too much baby blue. Baby blue yeah, is nice, I, but only in moderation. It's yeah, powder blue. Like the Chargers have the right powder blue. They got the powder blue jersey. And then they've got the the yellow pants, right? Mm-hmm. Or the white pants. Powder blue on powder blue. It looks kind of too much like the Tennessee Titans, doesn't it? Yeah. and uh, yeah, That's and, to me. And I don't really know what they were doing on the shoulders there. It kind of looks like they well, were in ducks. Those are oars. Yeah, they are, those yeah, are they're oars. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, 
by just looking at it, can you really tell that those are just oars? I don't know. They look like wings. They look like the Oregon ducks, you know. Whenever yeah, you have to like really dive into it ducks, and like yep. really think about yep. it that hard and what something is, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> so, I don't know. Don't like them. Yeah. Yeah, like they do look like the Oregon Ducks. Or remember when the Alouettes had their third jerseys and they had the feathers? Yeah, well, those look like feathers. And these things on the Argonauts jerseys, they look like feathers too. Like apparently they're oars, but I don't know. Yeah, I I actually like their old combo with the dark and the baby blue pants. Like the dark blue jerseys, baby blue pants like they had last year. I think they've actually dropped down the jersey... uh, I think you're right. The jersey uh, tree for me. Standings. I will say I don't mind the uh, the white ones, though. Like, the white ones have kind of a clean look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still with the shoulder it's thing, those... though. Still with the shoulders. I, you know, I would yeah, rather I know. have seen the yeah, nice boat logo on the shoulders. Yeah. Remember, like, the late 90s, how they had the big Argonaut Shield guy on the shoulders? I would have loved to see some yeah. 90s vibes, a big logo on the shoulders. The Ticats also like had that, something eh? like that in the late 90s when they won their Grey Cup in 1999. I like that. Okay, so here's the reason why the CFL is better than the NFL. One of the reasons, okay? Yeah, mm-hmm. you could talk about the millions and millions of dollars, but why is our game better? Zinger, my son plays football. I'm pretty sure you're going to get... He's already had a labrum surgery, and he and he uh, had the uh, scapula in his wrist. He broke that twice, okay? Mm-hmm. so And he continues to play, and he loves to play, and I have not forced him to play, okay? At some point when you sign up for a physical sport, you know what you're signing up for, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the NFL <clears throat> kickoff rule, and I will point out that special teams coordinators and players were against this, but it happened anyway. So what happens now starting this season? Forgive me, i got to cough. i got to clear my throat. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Uh Sean Kleisiger is back to receive Michael Ball's kick. Michael Ball sends it high into the air. It's looping inside the 25. It's not going to make it to the end zone. Zinger comes up to catch it at the 10. He calls for a fair catch and makes the catch at the 10. The ball automatically is scrimmage at the 25-yard line. What, what are we doing here? That's just what are an, we doing here? That's just another way of, uh, at, at some point, what's the point What's the point in kicking off the football? I mean, I think that's going to no be coming There's no point next. in kicking and in the NFL, there's basically no point in punting it either. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it, like, like we didn't kids flag football. Yeah. In kids flag football, you would say, or actually it wasn't even flag, sorry. It was RMF, the young kids RMF. If you said you were going to punt, they just flipped the field probably 30 yards. So in the CFL, we'd say what an average is 42 yards. So you'd flip the field 40 yards, and that'll be a punt. Like, what are we doing here? No. Either we're going to play football, or we're going to play seven-on-seven touch. Like, give me a break already. Now, apparently this rule change will be for only one year with the league citing, you know, player safety as a reason for it. So they're going to readdress it at the end of the year, I, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I don't like it. Yeah. That's uh, that's really goofy. Yeah, player really safety. Goofy. Player safety. Yeah, play, player safety. Yeah, okay. Let's let's do player safety. Let's um here's what we'll do. We'll uh, play football in January outside when it's minus 10, minus 15 cuz we're in a player safety. Like mm-hmm. give me a break. That that's another reason why the CFL is better than the NFL in my opinion. We have a better game, a superior game. We need to get on board with that. All these <clears throat> all these other leagues 
have been searching for what the CFL already has, something to be unique from the NFL. So why don't we embrace that? And it, I don't ever want to see our kickoff return rules change. I don't ever want to see the Rouge eliminated. Ever. Yeah. That is something unique to our game. And go, going back to this rule change, it's really disappointing because we started to see a lot last year in the NFL kickers not kicking it through the end zone. They were they would actually just drop the ball like right at the goal line or the one yard line, making the returner return the ball and having the cover team, you know, cover the kick and maybe get a tackle inside the 10 or 15 yard line. And now that basically cancels that out because the returner could just fair catch it. So now we won't see any type of return. So like the kicking team would try to get the uh, returner to return it because, you know, they would uh, get worse field position if they covered the kick. Right. So now we won't see any of that. It, it, it's just disappointing because I thought maybe uh, the kick return was slowly coming back last year, but nope. So think much. about our league. Think about our league without yeah. the Mario Alfords, without the uh, Chandler Worthies, without the Henry Gizmo Williams. I mean, the Mike Pinball Clements. Think about that. Mm. Think about, uh, give me some of the NFL one. Devin Hester. Dante uh, who Hall. else is a great returner in the NFL? Dante Hall, yeah, the joystick there in Kansas City. There were so many great returners, mm-hmm. and and now that's being taken away. Desmond Howard. I get players. Desmond Howard. I get player safety. I do, but come on. You, you, this is what you signed up for. You signed up to play a contact sport. That's what you do. I don't know, man. I just uh, that that really boggles my mind. But apparently, Goodell's doing a great job because they are going to extend him through 2027. If you didn't oh, hear, boy. so it is Randy. It is a Roger Goodell's world, and everybody's just paying rent uh, in it. All right, let's uh, before we go to break here from number 37, former Michigan Wolverine Jeremy Clark into his third training camp with the Riders. You know how it is. Just practice, man. Just that's what practice for. Just so I can master it for the game. As long as it don't happen in the game, I'm fine. Did you have, did you have to do some punishment push-ups or oh, what? Yeah, we always gotta do push-ups as DBs. And as you probably seen, the whole defense was doing them. So the whole defense, whenever you have a missed opportunity, we all get down and do push-ups. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. I feel like this is one of the best camps I've ever had. Yeah, and is it just the comfortability of it, or what is it? Yeah, um, this year. Um, you know, talking with the coaches, they're just talking about focusing me at corner, so I just got to lock in on one position, and that's just what I've been toned in on this whole camp. And you're used to the game, right? Yes, sir. This is my third year now, so it's all starting to slow down to me now. Yeah. What was it like for, you know, you look at some of these new guys trying to catch on. What's it like, uh, you know, the waggle, the, yeah. the, 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 the size of the field, everything? Yeah, I can just overhear some of the rookies talking. They're just like, man, this waggle is weird seeing it. I was like, yeah, I remember when I was a rookie, too, seeing it for the first time. But the more you see it, the more comfortable it is and they just got to get used to it. You can't get complacent in pro football. You're all trying to make the team every year. I always say you were in the same jersey, but you're not on the same team yet. But are you helping those young guys out a little bit at least? Oh, yeah, definitely. All the older guys, we have our um, hands extended for them. Anytime there's a question, we're all staying after to help the guys. If they, if there's anything they need to go over, all of us are willing to help. So, yeah. What? Uh, who helped you when you first got here? Um, A lot of guys. Uh, Nick Marshall helped. Uh, Mike Edelm. Um, a lot of guys, I think, Luchez was here. Um, I had a lot of older guys in the secondary when I first came, so I had a lot of help. Who, uh, when you line up against them in the league, do you do you look forward to going against? Is there any guy in particular? Um, I'm trying to single someone out. I can't think of no, anyone really, in particular. Really, no, I just every game, and I'm yeah. excited to be out yeah. there. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter who lines up in front of me. What do you like play? What do you like about playing and being locked and being a corner now? Um, it's just about kind of just focusing on one position. It wouldn't matter if I would have been in a half. It's just like not bouncing around, you know. So I just got to 
get into more detail with the position and focus on greater things like that. You think your length is uh, your what's your best attribute? You got some good length and athleticism. Yeah, I think my, my length and my speed are, yeah. are some of my strengths right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, do you have any goals yourself coming into this season? Yeah, last year I, I came up with um, zero picks, so I'm just trying to get some turnovers this year. <laughs> <laughs> have you been working on the jugs machine with your with your ball handling skills? Yeah, you can see that the coaches are tired of the DBs dropping the picks, so we're all getting um, our, our jug drills before we go inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have you learned from a Nick Marshall type? Um, just about more like the route production and then just um, just getting more comfortable with playing corner and just knowing when to take your shot and the jump routes and stuff like that. Just learning the game a little bit more. And defense is always ahead of the offense usually. There's a new offense here in Saskatchewan. Are you feeling like the defense might have to carry the water a little bit at the start of the year? No, I think this offense looks great. I think it's going to be kind of an even team. Um, it's not really one side stronger than the other. They look good. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Can't wait to see what you can do, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, me too. That's Jeremy Clark, number 37. I should uh, point out that uh, as I led into that interview, I was talking about the interception he dropped right at the end of practice. Right in his mitts would have been a pick six. He dropped it, so they all had to do punishment push-ups, not just the DBs, but the entire defense did. So that'll that'll make you catch it the next time because I'm pretty sure uh, old Anthony Lanier II doesn't want to be doing push-ups, all right, or uh, Micah Johnson, although he was just uh, – limited to individual drills they kind of gave him a vet day off there we're going to talk about that and much much more with the riders head coach craig dickinson next this is the sports cage for saskatchewan lotteries live from flamin sales uh just outside of saskatoon uh, west of saskatoon here on 620 ckrm the sports cage is your locker room pass we're talking riders on saskatchewan sports radio 620 ckrm on this Tuesday, let's head out on Twitter here. Zinger, this is funny, man. Uh, so this is from, I don't know, some some guy that goes by Barazan goal. You know, Sergey Barazan, he's played for the Leafs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he says, it's entirely possible that the 2023 in this year, every head coach and general manager of a Toronto sports team gets fired. Nick Nurse, NBA, Sheldon Keefe, NHL, Bob Bradley, MLS, John Schneider, MLB. <laughs> Except, aren't the Argonauts professional? And didn't uh, didn't uh, Dinwiddie just win a Grey Cup? And the the Argos uh, front office probably wouldn't be under fire. That just tells you the level or lack thereof of respect they get in Toronto. It's just uh, it's uh, disappointing. It's disappointing, man. Talking about that's a championship team. And they're getting thrown on the back burner. Come on, man. That's that's right. And uh, Steve Johnson uh, te- uh, tweets me at the real ballsy. Wow! After listening to Riders President Craig Reynolds, the his voice sounds a lot like former head coach Ken Miller. You were listening. Did you see that? Did you hear that? I never thought of that like when that I was you? listening, but uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I I don't think so. Ken Miller was more like. Uh, the the guys uh, uh, yeah, really, that's right, that's really right. uh, put out that really good effort together. No, I don't think Craig Reynolds sounded like that. No, I, I don't think so either. <laughs> I love I love Ken Miller. Me too, Nobody me gets too. mad at Ken Miller. But wasn't it great when they used to shoot the sidelines and Ken Miller would be standing there with his white ball cap on at his glasses, and he'd be staring out into the field, and sometimes you wonder what's running through his head, like... With his mouth hey. wide open, <laughs> yeah. Did I shut the Did I shut the sprinklers off before I came to the game? You know what I mean. Like, yeah, that's a video. That's what it looks like. Classics. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, 
And in terms of uh, coaches, uh, we always catch up with Coach Craig Dickinson. This is kind of a bit of a – sometimes they're boring in the mundane interviews because he's answered the same questions over and over again. But uh, we asked him a couple, and there's a couple interesting things here that we can uh, dissect. Let's hear from Coach Craig Dickinson. Today that uh, caught your eye. Nothing specific other than good energy. I thought the guys were moving around well. Yesterday was a tough day. Um, I wasn't sure how they'd bounce back from really back-to-back practice and pads, but I thought the energy was good. Uh, execution was was a little bit sloppy at times, but um, they're anxious to play a game, so we got to just try to get them to that BC game at this point. Have we hit the monotony of training camp? I think I think the dog days of summer are here for training camp, so we'll try to crank it up one more time tomorrow just to get get the guys some work with pads. But um, the focus really from tomorrow forward after tomorrow's practice is just getting ready for the preseason game. I see your running back situation. I mean, you got two guys who are really good who are back, and you got three guys really pushing. How, I mean, you've got so much talent there. How do you yeah. resolve this Well, you can't, yeah, you can't. It's only one ball. Uh, Frankie and J-Mo aren't going to play much, if at all, that first preseason. So we really want to give the three rookies as much action as we can in that first game. And Hopefully one of them separates and shows us he can be a guy to keep around. I see. So you want to keep at least one of them around? If oh, yeah. Yeah, year, we're going to keep issue. one, maybe even two. You know, that's J.O.'s call, but they've all done such a good job. You hate to lose any of them, but we probably, you know, maybe we keep three. I don't know, but the reality is uh, we got to see him and, and see who separates. I see you moving C.J. around quite a bit in, in the secondary. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you expect from him, and what do you like about him? Uh, versatility. The guy can play across the board. S- similar to what we talked about with Nelson yesterday. Uh, anybody that has versatility can play numerous positions in the secondary. They have value because if you have an injury at one of them, you can you can sub him in. So he's got great versatility. He's a, he's a fantastic special teams player, and, and he's a tough guy. Is Leon O'Neill Jr. kind of becoming a guy like that? Yeah, we still got to see him in the game. You know, he missed a few days of practice for a neck a soreness. So we got to see. You know, there's there's guys that will look really good in practice, and then they, they drop off a little in the game. What we're hoping to see is that the guys that we've identified as having really good practices do the same in the game. Is Moncrief's shoulder maybe taking longer than you thought? I don't know if longer than we thought, but it's going to take a little while still. He's not quite ready. So we're going to handle him with kid gloves and make sure he's right when he gets out there. Is that where Revis kind of steps in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Revis, you know, without Moncrief, Revis is the, the one Sam linebacker with experience, so he's got a real good shot at playing a lot. You brought in another receivers up, mainly because of guys being nicked up right now. Yeah, we're down numbers with receivers. Randy was with us a couple years ago, yeah. so he knows, he knows how we do things, and that's also a big part of this training camp is our culture and and how we do things. So we felt like it was a good fit. How has Brian Cox Jr. been performing? He's done a nice job, yeah. Um, everything in practice points to him being a really good player for us now. Uh, we want to get him out there in the game. Micah Johnson, we're, I've seen him kind of doing indies but not doing much else. Yeah, you know, Micah, we know what Micah brings to the table. So we're going to take care of him and make sure that we get him to the regular season healthy and 100%. And um so he knows that he wants. We're, we're the ones holding Micah back. It's not the other way around. But so we mentioned Moncrief. Uh, how how you know looking at your linebacking core? How you see it shaping up there? In behind, uh, you've got the starting three or even four with Revis. It looks pretty good. But after that, what do you see there? Yeah, we need to see who can play special teams. So uh, these young linebackers, TJ, you know, 50, 52, the, the young Canadians. We need to see who can play defense 
and do well enough that the coach is comfortable playing them, but also we need to see who can play special teams. So that'll be the majority of the evaluation. I know you're the coach and not the GM, but I got a few texts from fans, so I'll ask you the question. Um, Sankey's out there. He's done with the XFL, and he, and he talks about adding a guy that 120 tackles for you guys. We haven't gone there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Jeremy and, and Kyle have, have talked about it, but... Um, I've got I've got enough right now. I'm just trying to make sure we get to that first preseason game and yep. um, and and have the best roster we can for for that first week against Edmonton. And have you decided uh, the quarterback? How are you going to break up the quarterback play? In that Not game? entirely, but Trevor won't be there, so it'll be the the other three. We'll get. We're going to try to give them equal reps. Coming up uh, just after four o'clock, we'll hear from Arash Madani. Uh, quickly, Zinger. Um, interesting there. I I, I kind of had a suspicion, and he never said exactly when Moncrief's coming back. They always said, "Well, week one," but just to, not to make it about you know my family. But my son got his labrum repaired on January eighth, and he's a month ahead of schedule, and he's back now. Granted, my kid is he's a young you know, pup. Kids, he's a young guy. Yeah, he's twenty one years old, but but. I mean, he's Moncrief had his done in November. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I don't see him back on week one. You can't expect him to dive right back in. He hasn't been in training camp. I, I don't know when he's coming back, but it's not going to be week one. No way. Well, that's kind of concerning because uh, I don't know how good the depth is at the linebacker position. Well, I do know how good the depth is, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm confident that we have a boatload of Good linebackers ready to step in and <laughs> fill the void. Well, you, so. you heard what I you heard what I said. You heard what I asked there. Okay. Yeah. What about approaching Darnell Sankey about coming back? Yeah. 120 tackles from last year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But coach said I got enough to worry about here. So that's something to maybe. That's yeah, the dog monitor. days. You want it? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Oh my gosh. Come on. One week days. and it's that the dog the days. What? <laughs> yeah. It's it's the epitome of the new age of football player. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from Arash Madani. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries from Flam and Sales here on six twenty CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. All right, welcome to Flam and Sales here. We're coming to you live just northwest of Saskatoon. Um, they do a lot for us on our broadcast and supporting our broadcast, so we thought we'd come out here and do a show live for them. This portion of the show, every Tuesday and Thursday, with our good friend Arash Madani from Sportsnet, is called Coast to Coast, as you heard from the big voice guy, Al Murdoch, and it's brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call. He knows what to do with your money in this uh, turbulent world of finances. All right, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Rash, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, everybody's talking about the Joker, Jokic. But how about the Canadian, Jamal Murray? The Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA final for the first time ever. Isn't that amazing? But also, you think about basketball mm. history and... We really want to go back in time, Alex English and Kiki Vandeway and all those kinds of things. And here you have Jamal Murray of Kitchener, Ontario. Like Kitchener, Ontario, you know, people 
Kitchener-Waterloo is almost grouped into an area. Um, you know, Wilfrid Laurier University is there, University of Waterloo is there. When you think about basketball hotbeds in this country, you don't think of that area. And I was trying to come up, Balzi, today with, with the stat that really may have stood out most from what Jamal has done in these How about this? Most consecutive games in an NBA playoffs with at least 25 points, four assists, and two steals. Michael Jordan, 1990, did seven straight games. Michael Jordan, 1993, five straight games. And Jamal Murray's in the middle of one with five straight games. Like, Jamal in playoff numbers and playoff runs, what he's done the last couple of series puts him in, like, rarefied, NBA history and it's just a dude from down the street which makes it all the more remarkable yeah great great for Canada man but I'll tell you what um Jokic the Joker got ripped off of the NBA MVP and I think he's sticking it to everybody like no I'm the MVP that one shot falling backwards three-pointer uh from downtown just throwing it (laughs) basically heaving it from maybe afterwards in yeah. the post-game press yeah. conference, LeBron literally took his cap off. Said, "Sometimes you just have to tip your cap." Yeah, sometimes you do. Um, so it's it's great to see for the Nuggets. Uh, so um, the Nuggets sweep the Lakers. We should be talking about the Nuggets, but yeah. we're talking about LeBron because he doesn't know. <laughs> Looks like he might have another another decision to make. I don't think he's going to show up in a checkered dress shirt and having a television event and say he's taking his talent somewhere. I think he's learned his lesson. But I understand, Ballsy, where LeBron's coming from. And I know everybody, like, when you're the superstar, you're the villain. I understand that. But I'm watching this Denver team, and they can beat you in so many ways, and they have so much firepower. I'm watching Miami up three games to none on on Boston, and Miami's an eight seed. But it could be Jimmy Butler. It could be Kyle Lowry. It could be Bam Adebayo. It could be one of their six undrafted free agents that they've developed. And then I look at the Lakers, and I see LeBron, and I see AD, and I see nobody else. Like, at some point, you need a supporting cast if you're going to take that next step. And I think what LeBron's saying is, well, hold on. I can't do all this by myself. I can't do it with just AD. You guys have to put together a roster because we maximized what we could do with this group by getting the conference finals. But if we want to take the next step, you, as in management, has got to go do more. Yeah, but let me stop you there, because LeBron James okay. liked to be a manager. He's liked to be a manager wherever he goes. He's going to have Kyrie, and he's going to have this guy, and he's going to have this guy. He tried to orchestrate a big three there with Russell Westbrook. He tried a few things. So they LeBron James, the ma- yeah, LeBron James, the manager, showed you that he should just shut up and be the player. Yeah, except the problem was the Lakers for so for for so long just had one incompetent manager after another. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, true. Hey, and that's, hey, that's part of it. Okay, hear me out here, okay? Deviate off Listen. our script that we come up with here. Here we go. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm done with hockey if I'm not with the Leafs. I'm done. I'm just going to take a break with my family. <laughs> and now Pittsburgh's asked to talk to Kyle Dubas. What a phony. What an absolute phony. 
Well, I look. I am. I am. I, this is what I believe, Ballsy. Okay, I, I went and rewatched Brendan Shanahan's press conference from the other day, and I went and rewatched Kyle Dubas, Dubas's press conference from like four or five days prior. Yeah, and uh, if you truly believe that the first time there's been any contact from the Dubis camp to the to anybody affiliated with the Pittsburgh Penguins only happened yesterday, um, uh, <laughs> I think naive may be an understatement. Like tampering in to, sports, yeah. Like there. there you don't if you're Kyle Dubas and your contract is up and you basically ghost the leaps for two days and then you have your agent ask for an astronomical number or a bigger number than than anybody ever expected. You did that knowing there was something waiting for you, right? Yep. Just just speculating here, Ballsy. I'm not saying definitively. I'm like that, that's what a reasonable human being in that kind of situation would do, wouldn't he? You'd think so. Hey, I got before we get to the Blue Jays, we'll wrap up on the Blue Jays, or the Blow yeah. Jays, as we can call them right now. Um, Tom Brady, a minority owner in <laughs> yeah. Vegas with the WNBA Las Vegas Aces, and now Tom Brady, a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. I find it interesting because... Isn't he supposed to be an announcer for Fox? Will that not have some sort of uh, ramifications there? Well, I, I just don't think Fox is going to be doing any Raider games anytime soon because if you're paying Tom Brady $300 million, you're going to put him on the premier games. Um, yeah. I don't see that happening with the Raiders. It is interesting that they're both Vegas teams. I think that's more a coincidence than anything else. Like you have Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, who reportedly has... Uh, liquid cash flow issues. So, but here's what's interesting, Ballsy, is that, like, this has been on Brady's radar for a while because he was trying to get into ownership with the Miami Dolphins. Now this is, he's in ownership with football. He's in ownership on the WNBA. I don't think he's done. Right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I look around, I'm like, okay, he was drafted by the Montreal Expos. Does he have any interest in getting into baseball ownership? Patrick Mahomes already is a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. I wonder if Tom, with his connections uh, going to Fox and $300 million and the rest, if Tom's going to say, I want to be some kind of sports media enterprise of my own. Um, mm-hmm. Because if there's anything we've learned about Tom Brady, this dude just always wants a challenge. And what's more of a challenge than trying to win a championship? Well, maybe he should ask to uh, work with John Schneider and the Blue Jays. There's a challenge. Uh, Man, what a mess. What a mess. What a mess. One in seven in their last eight games. They made a fool of themselves on this last home stand by how they went about it with the Yankees and then the Rays. <sighs> You know, now they're in Tampa with the Rays, and it's just ugh, after the after the Orioles um, swept them. I thought that the telling quote, Ballsy, came last night from Kevin Kiermeyer. You know, vet in the league, knows the American League East. I don't know if you saw this. He said, this was his quote, We are not in a good stretch right now. We have good pieces to make it happen, but we don't have a lot of guys playing with the greatest confidence. 
And to me, that that mm. that is that that opened my eyes. You know, it's May the twenty third, and Kiermaier saying, you know, hitting can be contagious. But on the other end, when you're not hitting, that that can be contagious too. I'm watching Bobichet chase after pitches. This just feels right now like everybody's trying to do too much. Everybody's trying to be the person to just kind of kick things, you know, get things kick started. And that's just not how it goes. That's just not how it works. So for a team that was talking a lot of spring about details, 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 doing all the little things right, not doing any of it right right now. Hey, uh, before I let you go, let's circle back to this uh, one because we started with the NBA. Let's finish. Is Boston going to get swept tonight? They might. They might. And I wonder if Joe Missoula, their kind of interim head coach, I wonder yeah. if this might be his job. Like, <laughs> there's something wrong there. I think uh, Jason Tatum's 50, you know, record setting game seven performance against the Sixers may have masked some things last Sunday, but but this just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. They're not playing right. And Ballsy, like, this is the Boston Celtics in the conference finals. Like, think about the history of this franchise. And you know what happened on Sunday night? Those dudes quit. And when's the last time you saw a historic franchise like the Boston Celtics quit in a conference final. That was wild to see. Is Steve Nash the next Raptors coach? Don't think so. Don't think so. Um, I, I think the Raptors are kicking tires on a lot. I think the Raptors are also... I wonder how much of this is just kind of fact-digging on... Hey, Steve, what do you think of this player? What do you think of that player? What do you think of this situation? How do things go in Brooklyn? They may be finding out about players, about free agents, too. Um, just real quick, Baldy, on this. It has nothing to do with Steve Nash or the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But I think it was Michael Lombardi, but somebody, maybe it was Eric Mangini, somebody involved with the Patriots back in the day, said what Belichick does during the draft process is that he'll bring guys into Foxborough who he has no intention of drafting especially quarterbacks, but he will put them up on the whiteboard. He will find out a little bit about them, what what they think they're good at, what they don't think they're good at. Um, he'll evaluate how they process information, how they take in a game plan. He basically uses it to find out a little bit about the players so if they run into him down the road, they have a little bit more intel than ever before. You can't do that when they become a pro and a free agent. Mm-hmm. No free agent's going to sit there and go through that gauntlet. And I just wonder how much of what the Raptors doing right now is a little bit of a fact-finding mission on what former head coaches think about what's going on elsewhere around the NBA, but especially about players and how they mi- how they mesh and how they mix with other dudes too. Arash, this was always, uh, well, it's always great talking. This was fun. We'll uh, chat with you on Thursday, okay? Thanks, Palsy. Appreciate it. That's Arash Madani joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, little pick the score for the first time ever. This is the Sports Cage. Well, first time ever this year. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Here's Matthew Kachuk, into the slot, shot, score! Right 
And that's all the Panthers would need. They go on to win the hockey game last night, one to nothing, and take a three nothing series lead over the Carolina Hurricanes. The Florida Panthers just one win away from a Stanley Cup final appearance. Sam Reinhart, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, Tuesday's edition brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can always get a hold of us via our text line at 936-6262. Zinger, did you send me that text? Because I didn't get it. Can you send me the text that you're getting there at the text line powered by the Capital Auto Group? Thank you for doing that, my friend. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Once again, I want to thank Flam and Sales for having us on site here just northwest, Highway 16 and 71st Street. It's kind of northwest past Sask Place or whatever they call it now. Uh, used to be Credit Union Place or Credit Union Center. Or it's the rink that's too far out of town that they bitch about here in Saskatoon, okay? Anyway, um, we are at Flam and Sales. All your short-line ag needs, they've got grain services, too, like uh, cleaning grain and that type of thing. Um, thanks to them, Mitch and the gang, for having us down here, and Craig and I appreciate them being here. They've done a lot for our broadcast in terms of sponsoring. You can check out our setup on our social media pages here, the Sports Cage on location. Tell you what, man, it's it's kind of sad the way the media game is going. Like, um <laughs> I don't know. There's no other way to put it. CKRM on location with Blaine and Luke and myself. We got you covered from pillar to post as we would voice of the riders. But like there's maybe one paper guy. I saw my buddy Les Lazarus come out uh, from CJWW uh, a little bit uh, towards the end of the press conference. And that's it. Like there's not a Rob Bansell's working for the team now. Murray McCormick's gone. Taylor Shire from the leader post is here off and on. Like it's just kind of a sad commentary. So we're ha- we're happy to be your official voice of Rough Rider and three down football. If you want the three down game covered at all levels, this is the place to come. 620 CKRM. All right. With that in mind, this guy got his start in the RMF, played for the LaBoldis Golden Suns, the Regina Rams, and now the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's our friend number 81, Mitch Pickton. Evaluate your play so far in training camp. I think it's been solid. Uh, I think the offense is coming together nicely. Um, seems like we're gelling, and uh, we've got a good room that's with uh, guys that are fun to work with. So, yeah, we're having a good time out here. You know, that doesn't seem like just regular company speak, because I just talked to C.J. Rivas. He said it feels like college. Everybody's dapping up. Everybody's hugging each other. Seems like a collegiate feel. Yeah, yeah, especially on offense. Uh, that's what I can speak to, at least. Yeah. Um, we're having a ton of fun out here. Our group's really gelling. Um, I would truly enjoy being around each other. We had a little mini camp before we came up here the weekend before camp, and uh, that was a lot of fun as well. So, yeah, we're really enjoying being around each other and uh, making plays together. You were making some plays here a few days ago in practice. I was looking forward to seeing maybe in the green and white game, but smoke came upon us. It just, Are you feeling pretty comfortable, pretty healthy? 
yeah, yeah, I had a good off season, uh, feeling strong, feeling healthy, so uh, ready to uh, to get into it. And uh, talk about now. We've talked about him in the off season, but now you're on the field with Trevor Harris. Talk about that. Yeah, he's just a true leader, uh, consummate pro, um, does the right things all the time on and off the field. So it's a great guy to work with and uh, and learn from. And how much do you take on a leadership role now that you've been here for a bit? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a couple years now. Uh, I still feel like a young guy out here, but uh, yeah, I try to take a little bit of uh, ownership and leadership in that receiver room and uh, make sure the guys are doing things the right way. Come. Competition's a good thing, man. We got some Canadian receivers in camp, you know, Breskison and such. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, we're deep at, at Canadian receiver. I feel like we got uh, guys that can make plays and, and some real ballers. So uh, that's always a good thing to have, right? Um, competition uh, makes us all better. Yeah. So so that's something that we're really enjoying, and uh, and we're all out here making plays, so it's good. And when you look at this uh, offense, how does it differ from last year's offense? Because everybody talked about Mitch Pickton as a guy you could put, well, coached it. You can put Mitch Pickton anywhere he knows what he's going to do. Do you still feel that way in this offense, and how do you see this offense? Yeah, it's a brand new offense, so uh, there is a bit of a learning curve. Um, I feel like I'm getting a good grasp of it. Uh, but yeah, that is a place that I'd like to get to again, to, to be able to be thrown anywhere in the offense and, uh, and be able to go and perform. Is it harder? different like can you describe it for the average fan yeah just a little bit different uh every offensive coordinator is going to have different nuances to their offense right between terminology concepts and and everything like that the way that they uh call plays so um yeah we're just learning uh learning a new offense do you know what uh what you're going to get in terms of reps on saturday if you're going to get any yep uh no clue haven't haven't talked about it uh, we're not too sure yet. Yeah, and uh, talk about uh, maybe a different mood here at training camp than last year. Last year, Grey Cup um, hosting, there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that. Is, do you notice a different vibe or sense of urgency here or something this year? Well, last year camp got uh, ended up being really rushed because of the strike, right? So that training camp's a tough one to uh, use as a measuring stick, but it uh, feels like we have time on our side right now. Uh, we've certainly been installing the offense quite fairly slowly, making sure we have a good grasp of it before we move on. So it uh, feels like we got some time. Um, guys are really coming together, gelling well, and it uh, feels like the offense is, uh, is coming together. And Mitch Pickton, lastly, do you have any personal goals or a couple you want to share with us for this season, uh, you know, going into this one? Yeah, uh, first goal every year is, is to make the team right coming out of training camp so that's obviously goal number one um, and then other than that I would just like to uh, to stay healthy for the season and uh, the ultimate goal bring that great cup back to Saskatchewan so that's a big goal of mine and in a lighthearted manner you're a former Regina Ram are you now have you kind of you're here in Saskatoon is that <laughs> do you still get kind of itchy when you come into the U of S complex yeah it feels like you need to take a shower whenever I come into this place <laughs> but all in all it's a pretty good place they treat you well yeah yeah enjoy coming on campus for, for training camp they treat us very well food's great so uh, yeah we're happy to be up here Mitch, nice to see you again. Thanks, Ballsy. Appreciate it. All right, it's 4.33 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090 NHL tonight. Western Conference Final. Vegas Golden Knights up two games to nine on the Dallas Stars. Game three goes in Dallas tonight at 6 p.m. The Miami Heat, they're going to be going for the sweep tonight of the Boston Celtics. Yes, the Heat can punch their ticket to the NBA Finals with a win. Winner of the series. We'll move on to face those Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals as the Nuggets swept the Lakers last night. And the Toronto Blue Jays look to get in the win column tonight as they have been struggling as of late. Toronto is in Tampa. Opening pitch in about seven minutes from right now. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sportsgate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. 
brought to you by our friends at Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Yesterday, the preseason streaming service kicked off for the CFL. There were a few glitches, but by all accounts, good effort by the CFL. They took the video and meshed it up with the home radio cruise call, and hopefully they've got the kinks ironed out. When we do our game on Saturday when the BC Lions come to town, it'll be our audio meshed with the uh, in-house video feed which will then be streamed across the CFL.ca, and it's free of charge. Uh, and uh, what you got to do is have a valid email address and then your first and last name. If you can't provide that, then you got bigger problems than watching a CFL preseason game. By the way, the Calgary Stampeders did beat the Edmonton Elks 29-24, but Coach Dave Dickinson, Craig's brother, not too happy with his ball club. In fact, he played his number ones for a good chunk of the uh, opening quarter, and they were... Wah, wah, wah. Jake Mayer had one completion for six yards. We'll get into that with Luke Molitor and much, much more coming up here right away. That's your CFL report. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Oh, yeah, raise the roof. Get that hype horn going, singer. Keep that music pumping. Welcome to Flam and Sales, just northwest of Saskatoon. Michael Ball and Luke Mulliner on this Tuesday show brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries. The hype horn is going, and we are looking for caller number... What the hell number were you getting? 95. Caller 95. Who's going to get 95 callers? How, who keeps track of million, 95? We have millions of callers. Zinger, the phones are probably already humming, Zinger. The 95th caller that calls in gets tickets to the Riders game coming up against the BC Lions in honor of Luke Mulder. So then we'll, so in that case, we'll, we'll let you know who won on Saturday. No. <laughs> we have plenty of callers. Uh, wink, wink. Okay. So no, caller no. 95. You know what? I bet you, I bet we on, yeah, we're probably on like 30 already. I bet you are falling on 60 already. So, <laughs> so, uh, we were out of practice today. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, man, we've talked about this a few times, but I am going to reiterate it. When I watch, so I watch Mason fine. He looks like he's, he's fine. He, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's got command of the offense. Yeah. Uh, I think Jake Dolagala is in trouble. Uh, I do too. Shea Patterson looks very comfortable in the pocket there. I think everybody's in trouble that's not named Harris and Patterson. Um, <laughs> I think that, um, and, and again, Mason fine is, is, is having a good camp. Right, he doesn't look out of place. I mean, he's he's right there. But like in terms of in terms of what we've seen out of Patterson, I mean, he looks he looks all the part right now. And I wouldn't be surprised um, if they take a good long extended look at Patterson during um, during the exhibition game on Saturday. So it's definitely something that's uh, that's worth watching. Again, Dola Gala, he came out 
right, with his hair on fire. He mm-hmm. looked great in the first couple of days, but the problem is, is, is that consistency issue with him is is creeping up on him, right? We is, haven't he, talked we've about seen the... a couple of the balls thrown behind, thrown yeah. Over. Dolagala gotta... can make throws, like he can, like he has oh, yeah. the talent. You, I think you said it best. We're starting to see, and no disrespect to Jake, I thought he was the best quarterback the first day and a half in camp. Okay, like you alluded to, he, he today takes a snap. Leans back with his six foot five or seven frame, flicks his wrist, and it's a nice oh, yeah. rainbow type throw. Beautiful has throw. the guy in behind coverage, but overshoots him. We're seeing why, like why he stays around because yeah. of talent like that, yeah. but why he's bouncing around because of yeah. consistency issues. Yeah, I think that's it's, you get why he gets these opportunities because the physical characteristics, his ability to throw the ball is just. Is awesome. The consistency, though, is 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 consistency separates good from great. Mm-hmm. Consistency separates pros from Joe's. Joe's, I guess you would say, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I do think we're seeing some some issue with with him and and in in that category. And I think that Shea Patterson's been a lot more consistent. And I don't think it's a matter of well, you know, if we break it down. Dolgala's getting different type of plays with different groups. Like Shea Patterson's not working primarily with the one group. So you can't you can't make that excuse. I think that Shea Patterson's come out here, he's opened a lot of eyes, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Uh if 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 we were able to sneak in the coach's meeting room and we were able to look at the depth chart, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Harris, Patterson, Fine, Dolgala in that order on the, on it right now. Because you gotta remember. They know what they have in Mason Fine. They saw Mason Fine last year. They saw him the year before that. They know exactly what they have in Mason Fine. And he's come out here and had a really good camp, but he hasn't, he hasn't shown like, oh man, this is, this is can't, like, look at the development from one year to, to, to two years, right? Like, I don't think he's shown that. I think he's just had a good camp and he's doing what he, what they expected him to do. But yeah, when you, when you know what you get with somebody, the guy that comes in and is like really opening eyes, that guy automatically becomes the bell of the ball. So I want to ask you this: Can you get you? You've played, you coached junior football, you've played at this level, you played NCAA football. Can you? Can you really get anything out of this camp? What you're watching right now? Because he, he, here's my concern. Here's my concern. We've got Larry Dean in the middle, mm-hmm. who. Had a great year last year, but nobody beats Father Time. I'm not saying Father Time's going to catch him this year, but let's be honest. He's not 24-year-old Larry right. Dean. He's going on 34, 35-year-old Larry Dean. Micah Tights is coming back from an injury. Looks good, but, I mean, how good is he? We right. haven't seen him full speed. Derek Moncrief, and I brought this up to you a while ago. Yeah. The riders have been telling us all along he'd be ready by week one. We yeah, I thought ready, he was just getting a bunch of yeah, vet days. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so he had the same injury as my son. My son got surgery on January the 8th, and yes, my son's 21, he's 29. More miles off of Moncrief's tires. But my son is back a whole month faster than than him, and he had his surgery in November. That tells me Derek Moncrief ain't playing week one, maybe not even week two, the way it's going. Like I, I don't know when I don't know when we'll see him, but there's where I start getting a concern about the depth coming up here. Uh, you know, how do we replace him, and who's behind him? I think that we we've we've brought that up a number of times, specifically in this camp, and I think that what you touch on is is 
is the conversation we had before coming up here, right? It, depth was going to be the issue. We needed to find depth. Now, I think, though, it's a concern in a couple groups. Uh, I do think that when you look at that first group, the A group of linebackers, which now includes C.J. Revis. I can't do anything about Kreef not being there, right? C.J. Revis, though, has been playing strong side linebacker for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, and obviously athletically he can do it, but physically you're closer to the line of scrimmage. You're going to get some different looks than you would at defensive back. We'll see how he does in the exhibition game, right? Can't hurt to try it, but the, the problem I see is 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 – it's not that if, okay, well, what if Micah goes down, Micah tights? What if Larry Dean goes down? Because what we've seen here out of this group, I mean, there isn't anybody that's really jumped off the page at the linebacker group, um, you know, that makes you want to be like, oh, yeah, well, this guy's the next man. Well, can Justin Herdman-Reed go in and be your middle linebacker? Uh, T.J. Brunson just got here late from the NFL. Here's here's something I brought up to you up upstairs. I like Brunson. Upstairs, I brought this up to you. And this camp's all about finding guys, finding the next guy. Um, would you be on the phone with Darnell Sankey? I would be on – here. the problem, I think, with Darnell is I'd definitely text him. <laughs> I'd be we like, made 120 hey, tackles, hey, stranger, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. But – I think that Darnell Sankey is expecting a certain certain number, and I'm not sure whether I want to go over that number right now, right as we speak, right? I, I think that we still don't know. Again, if, if depth is an issue across the CFL, but especially for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, it's not just the linebacker position you're worried about, right? Um, so I think that I think that I'd definitely be poking and prodding, seeing what Sankey's interest is in, right? But, I mean, one of the reasons why he went down in that Arena League the first time, or the USFL or whatever, wherever he played, <laughs> you know, XFL. one of the 30 leagues down there, yeah. right, is because the Riders didn't give him what he wanted in terms of, of contract value. So I'm not sure if, if I'm Darnell Sankey you know what the conversation is now to convince me unless it's we have exactly what you want come up to camp well and that's a good point i didn't mean now but after that first preseason game would you start our second preseason well, game start entertaining it the first thing about the, the like but here's the here's the deal the first preseason game could be amazing from a linebacker spot like what if tj brunson comes out and just has five tackles for loss an interception He's all over the field, right? Like then you're, then you're, ah, oh, man, Sankey. Good luck next year. You in, know what I in, mean? Like, in, fa- in fairness to Brunson, he looked lost the first day, which is understandable, yeah. and he's gotten better every day. I thought. Well, and I think that for Brunson, the ability to to sort of to figure out the playbook was going to be there just because of the experience that he's had so far, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the NFL, right? This is a guy who can probably figure out the playbook. Not not going to take him a, a ton of time to to really get to understand. And the nice part is that middle linebacker position, right? Like you're playing middle linebacker. You're not worried about the one yard off the ball. You don't care that there's there's three downs to get ten yards because yeah. you know what I mean. You're just out there playing. Like you're yeah. operating a defense, and you can play in a little bit of a box down there as long as you know where your drops are, right? Like. Linebacker, I don't think that changes from Canadian to American when, like Canadian game to American game, and I think that that's why Enoch Mwamba and those guys are are very rare breed because linebacker is one of those positions that doesn't necessarily get impacted by the rule change from CFL to NFL. Well, and as Coach mentioned, we had him on, and we'll hear him before the end of the show again. You have. We need egos. We need to find because I asked the question about depth at linebackers. We need to find which guys can play special teams. That's can, can TJ Brunson play special teams? Can Ryan Henry fi- uh, fifty-two? Can fifty Kyrie? Mm. 
uh, Kyrie, uh, what Fisher that? Morris. Fisher Morris. Yeah. Can he? Can he do it? Can can Nick Matt, Thomas? Can Matt Dean, Nick Thomas? Can yeah. those guys play special teams? What do we got behind? Because that's going to be a key. You know, yeah. you know, Herdman Reed can do that. Herdman Reed can do special teams, and he can also fill in for a guy in a crunch, right? Yeah. But Would you want Herdman Reed to be your consistent everyday linebacker, middle linebacker? Probably not, right? And right, because a guy that's been in the league this long, he. He's playing a role for a reason, well, right, and, for the most and, part. And the other part is is that if, if if the ratio changes to a starting middle linebacker, the problem the Riders have is, okay, well, we can start Herdman Reed, but who's going to be his backup if he goes down? Because we also have tights over there. So now we have two linebackers. That essentially makes you need two linebackers that are Canadian. You know what I mean? So mm. it, it throws them into a little bit of a, a flux there. So again, I, I I think that this team is 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 anxiously awaiting what happens during the the exhibition game. I think that they're probably pretty excited, but they're also pretty anxious about just sort of what they're going to see and and what they need to see, maybe more specifically. I think that they're going into this game hoping to get certain performances out of certain guys to to put their minds at ease in terms of where the depth and where the where the guys are. Mm, very interesting. All right, we are going to take a break, but first thing, did we get Luke Molner's number? Caller ninety five. Did we get somebody? Oh yeah, we got ninety five calls. We actually got ninety seven calls altogether. But our winner oh, is uh, good. So oh. John Chicks number yeah. yeah uh barry hoffert barry hoffert of minton saskatchewan is the big winner and he's predicting uh predicting rather a 20 to 16 saskatchewan rough riders win on saturday against those bc lions so there you have it big congrats to 20 barry to 20 to 16 i don't mind that I yeah don't that's, mind that. yeah, that's that a good sounds like a preseason score yeah. hey in a minute we'll come back and talk about the uh, edmonton calgary game and much more this is the sports cage from flam and sales on 620 ckrm our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, we are here. I want to get a quick comment from you before we head out and talk to Brian Raymond. Calgary beats Edmonton yesterday, 29-24. Don't really care about the score. Jake Mayer completed one pass for six yards, and Calgary's <laughs> veterans didn't look too good against basically the uh, third and fourth stringers from the Edmonton Listen, Elks. I'm trying to tell you guys all offseason. A, watch out for Edmonton. And remember when we did one of those shows in the offseason, you asked me who was potentially the most overrated or bust potential guys. I said it's Jake Mayer. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I think that... quietly they're concerned, too, in Calgary. I think, I think so, they huh? pulled the shoot on Bo Levi Mitchell too fast. Well, it's understandable why they pulled the shoot on Bo just because of the injury, right? And it didn't look like he – but it also seems like they pulled the, pulled the shoot on finding somebody behind Bo. How can I say this? I heard in the uh, in the semifinal game they had a difference of opinion on when Bo Levi Mitchell should have gone into that game. Somebody wanted him to go in earlier, and somebody was yeah. adamant he, he, stay, he stayed out to the very last second. So, you know, here's the thing about that, though. When teams lose, there's always that, oh, man, we should have done this. Yeah. You know, like I remember in, in Grey Cup 2010 when we lost to Montreal for the second time in a row, mm. um, Baron Simpson couldn't play. He was toughing it out. And, and we could see it, but he couldn't play. Hmm. We made the decision to, to, to change our ratio, but we made the change on the D-line. Uh, a lot of us felt that Mike McCullough should have gone in and played middle linebacker, I think. And, and of course, now hindsight's twenty twenty. In my mind, we come out the victors if, if Mike McCullough's back there. But we just we couldn't manage mm-hmm. um, the, the substitution and the, uh, and, and the drop-off that we had by taking a guy like 
Hawkins or KJ off the field, mm-hmm. Kit Kitwana Jones mm-hmm. uh, permanently, right? So, anyways, uh, long story short, those complaints are always a lot louder when you don't win. Yeah, you know for sure. I mean? uh, if, if Calgary had won that, they would have been yeah. like, oh, man, we're geniuses. <laughs> we handled that exactly v- the right way. Very interesting, yeah. though. Very interesting. I totally agree with you. And, and I think, though, that Calgary, you know how Calgary, they're a bunch of front-running divas over yeah, there, right? Like, yeah. yeah. They're in the same position. Let them lose a couple of games early. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, we'll get to, uh, we're going to push that uh, other interview of uh, Revis till later, Zinger. So I'll just hold Luke here for a couple more seconds, then get to Brian Raymond. So with Calgary, though, tell you what, man, I've always liked this guy. Kadeem Carey's predicted big things for from for himself this year. That guy yeah. can run the football. Yeah, no, he is. They're a run first team now. Listen, I'll tell you what, that, like, at the end of the day, I think this year, I think that we're going to look back on the 2023 season. And one of the things that we're going to say is Kadeem Carey's one of the best overall football players in the league. I yep. really think so. I think he's going to have a, one of those sort of coming out year type of deal. I mean, he already had that year, but like this year, the opportunity for him. And I think though, the problem is they need him to be that guy. It feels like they really yes. need him to, to be run that first guy. team. Yeah. Like I remember when we were playing Calgary back in the day, you know, John Cornish, he was a beast, annoying, but he was a beast. Uh, Joffrey Reynolds, just a truck. That and those guys were incredible all-around football players, but they didn't need to be the best player on their team every single day, every single game to have them come out on top. The Calgary had other guys. Calgary had great sort of individual talent. It wasn't just them. I feel like Calgary really needs him to have like an amazing game every game just in order for them to, to have a chance at winning. All right, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to our friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. How are you today, Brian? I'm doing great. Good. Well, anything first of all before we get to golf, anything surprise you about uh any of the hockey playoffs so far? Let's go uh Florida and Carolina. Anything surprise you there? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised at uh at uh, Florida's ability to uh, basically nullify anything that uh, Carolina can do, but I guess you have to put that down mostly to Bobrovsky because he's been out of sight as far as goaltending goes. He <laughs> he's been amazing. He's actually living up to uh, what everybody thought he'd be when he went to Florida. I think a lot of people were wondering during the season, and I think he's been benched a couple of times, and he wasn't even the starter at the, at the beginning of the series. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people were wondering about that, but he's certainly earning his money now. Well, what, what do you think Winnipeg Jet and Calgary Flame fans are thinking? You're watching, what, Bennett and Kachuk, and you're watching, uh, and you're watching uh, Maurice, if you're a Jets fan, yeah, with Florida. Well, I think nobody doubts that Paul Maurice is a heck of a golf, of a hockey coach. But the the amazing thing is, when the trade was made uh, for Huberdeau and uh, Weger, I thought Calgary had won that deal. But it turns out now that uh, it's obvious that uh, they didn't. Yeah, it looks pretty good, though. I think that Craig Conroy's coming in there in Calgary. He looks like he'll be a nice, a fresh face, upbeat face for the Calgary Flames as their GM. Well, he, every, everything I've heard about him is uh, he's a very intelligent guy. Uh, he's obviously been around for a while, having played the game and now worked in, in, their, uh, in their front office uh, since he retired. So he's probably the right guy, and he probably knows the, 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 all the people involved, all the players involved uh, on a personal note. So he's going to be ideally placed to make decisions on who should and shouldn't be there. I'm not going to lie to you, Brian Raymond. I don't remember Chandler Stevenson being this good. I have to admit, I watched him play with the Pats, and I I thought he was a good hockey player. But I, you know, I thought him I thought of him as a role player at best. And uh, you know, he's he's been playing. Really, and you know what? He hasn't. This has been going on for a couple of years. He's been playing well for a while. 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, of course, hockey players love to golf. Let's talk about some golf at Flowing Springs. Take it away, Brian. All right. Yeah, it's a great evening right now. It's a little breezy, but the sun's out, and uh, we've got our late-night twilight coming up here at uh, 6 o'clock. $19 to come out and walk the golf course every Monday and every Wednesday if you are a lady or a senior over 60. It's $32 to play the golf course all day, and if you're not a senior or a lady, it's only $42 instead of our normal green fee of 55 Every day after 3 o'clock, $35 to play the golf course. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, $19 at 6 o'clock. And uh, you know what? We've got a great driving range. If you just feel like getting out, taking a little frustration out, if you've had a tough day, it's nice out here. It's quiet, no traffic, and uh, we've got a great big driving range. Come on out and hit some golf balls. How do they get a hold of you, Brian, if they want to do that? I know they do. Yep, they do. Give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com, and you don't need a booking for the driving range. Always nice to talk to you, Brian. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. We'll talk to you Thursday. All right. We'll be back after 5 o'clock. Luke Molliner with his top 10 Rough Riders in terms of importance going into the 2023 season. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go live from Flamin' Sales just northwest of Saskatoon. Thanks to them for uh, being on board with us as sponsors for our football broadcast and everything else on CKRM that they help us out with. And we are here on location, myself and Luke Molliner. The show on a Tuesday is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Before I get to a comment about Trevor Harris, i got to ask you this. What's up? The NFL has changed the rules. So if you kick the ball down now, so Michael Ball is kicking for the Cleveland Browns, and I'm kicking, because I probably could, and I'm kicking to uh, Luke Molliner. So the, kick for the Riders, too. Yeah. What we've seen the yeah. punting teams. Yeah. The, the, the return man, Luke Mullender, on the kickoff return for the Dallas Cowboys settles under it at his 10 yard line, okay? Yep. And he calls for a fair catch, so he catches it at his 10. Right. The ball is moved out to the 25 yard line automatically. Doesn't matter where he fair catches it. So, what are we doing here? Why are we waiting? What? Yeah. So, like, if you fair catch it at the five, right? Because because there was an art form where no, that's why the NFL is so exciting is when you pin a team yeah, down. Yeah, I yeah. hate that rule. Yeah, I didn't know that no, was yeah, the rule. They just changed it. The t- one year this year, they uh, special teams coordinators and players were against it, but they went ahead with it anyway. So the kickers were getting good, like Zinger was saying, of pooching it down there, so you had to return it. Now, if you don't want to return it, you just put your arm up and you catch it at the two. You get it at the twenty-five. Why wouldn't you do that? It's a waste of time. What are we doing here? Let's just start on the twenty-five. That's why the CFL is a better game. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I didn't know that. I, yeah, it just came out. It just came out, so you wouldn't. Is that hot off the presses? Yeah. Like, well, that's we need to throw that back onto the presses and redo it then, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That is, that's why are we doing it? What are we doing? Like, pretty soon. The only time I'm going to like that rule is when the Dallas Cowboys are going to be like, this is a great rule. But you know what but I mean? That, that, that's, that's what makes stupid. our game great. I also heard that they're, they're, they're flexing the Thursday night games. They're too. looking at doing that's that. That's the dumbest idea. That's two really stupid ideas back to back for the NFL. And you know what's hilarious about that is it speaks out of both sides of your mouth, because on one side it's about player safety, and on the other side we don't care if you only had two days rest we're flexing the end of thursday yeah well 
again, it's a league driven by gambling revenue, right? So whatever. So I for get them, it. For I them get it, but to don't... be able to flex their big games to Thursday yeah. increases gambling. I just... get it, but oh, don't, don't. don't preach. The... There's oh. no such thing as player safety. Yeah, Nobody exactly cares right. about players anywhere. Well, they don't care about players, and here's why. And I always say this is because the supply is always going to outweigh the demand. Yep. Always. That's always, what, always, always. That's, it doesn't, that's why I always say, like, man, there could be 500 leagues across the across the states right now. Yeah. And there'd still be plenty of guys. That's for... why I don't buy the narrative that we're going to have a tough time bringing guys up here. I don't buy that narrative. Okay. No, it's the coaches we need to bring up. So I'm going to ask you a question. Trevor Harris, has he been what you thought he'd be to this point without playing a game and in limited, in limited energy sessions, I guess? No, he's been more. I, I've been really impressed with Trevor Harris. I think that, and again, you hear certain things about certain guys in the league when you're around it long enough, when you're talking to the guys that are playing. But what I've seen out of Trevor Harris is, is a pro's pro, is a guy that's caught on quickly, is a guy that's now assuming a leadership role amongst the entire team. And again, he's really led the way in terms of, of, of what he's put out on the field, the tape he's put out. But um, also the way he's carried himself. I, I, again, I think that we've gotten more than we anticipated out of Trevor Harris. I'm going to really like to watch the the continued ascension that we're hoping hoping to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, yeah, it's been great. We, I, it's been one of the bright spots actually of training camp. We won't see him on Saturday because he's going home tomorrow for the birth of his baby, which is coming up. The Jeez. flight leaves tomorrow. Let's hear from Trevor Harris. Are you going to take off before practice tomorrow? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Practice is uh, is at the time where the flight goes out, and uh, so I'm gonna get out here early tomorrow and uh, get some work in before I leave. Um, so yeah, it's a tough time to leave, but uh, at the same time, you know, the team has done a great job, you know, telling me that they weren't gonna let me, you know, miss this sort of thing, and uh, so they made it really easy. They did a fantastic job, and um, and so you know, uh, big ups to you know Craig Reynolds and Jo and Coach Craig, and they all did a tremendous job in terms of you know making it easy for me, making the decision for me and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it's tough. Tough leaving at this point in camp, but obviously, uh, you know, if you miss the birth of your child for you know a game they told me I wasn't going to play in anyway, um, it'd be a tough one to you know live with the wife with after, right? For the first two kids, did you have to miss any time for football? No, no, it was born. They were born in the off season, and uh, my second was born during the pandemic, and so right at the start of the pandemic, and so um, you know, obviously, didn't have to miss those times, you know, being the off season. But uh, this time's a tough time, but um, yeah, tough one. Even though you obviously don't got a preference in this situation, but are you glad of the fact that you still got that second game and that you're only that you're missing the first game as opposed to the second game of the preseason? Yeah, he told me I wasn't going to play anyway in this game, so it's uh, one of those things that um, obviously you know I would like to play all four quarters in the first and second game, but you know it's not my call. I'm uh, you know they they tell me what to do and I'm just play for them, and so uh, yeah. Just your thoughts about camp now here in the second week? Has things picked up in the second week? Yeah, yeah. You can feel the speed of the guys. Um, you know, obviously everybody's legs are, you know, getting tired. You get to the dog days, but these are the days that kind of separate the teams that are good from great. And, uh, you know, I can feel the guys really pushing through. And I feel like offensively over the last week, week seven, eight days, I feel like we've really, really uh, made some great strides. You know, you can tell we're starting to hit our spots, be on time, uh, beat blitzes, be able to use the things that we want to do in our offense, and uh, everybody's really starting to mesh well and uh, starting to get some more explosive plays and whatnot, and uh, we're not going against any slouch defense. That defense we have out there is a really good one. Sorry. Any particular advice you're going to give to the other three quarterbacks? No, they've been successful. They're professional quarterbacks. Uh, that's what, you know, my first time ever getting to play. Uh, the coach told me, you know, make sure you get some pearls of wisdom from Ricky. 
Ricky, at Ricky Ray, and I, so I asked Ricky, I was like, Rick, I'm supposed to ask you some advice. He said, throw it to the guys in the blue jerseys, and that was when I played for Toronto, and I was like, wow, thanks, man. So, you know, at this point in our careers, you know, you're a professional, you're a professional quarterback. Uh, they all know how to prepare, and, you know, uh, we've, uh, we've had really open dialogue, being able to talk about, you know, the ins and outs of plays, you know, certain things that we can look for here and there, uh, certain plays that make us, you know, hot, where we got to throw our cover zero answer, and um, they're ready to go, uh, but, uh, you know, obviously they're, they've been great football players up to this point. They're going to be great. I was dealing with the wind today. Obviously, it was a pretty interesting conditions out there compared to the first week of camp. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, honestly like we, the last probably week or so, it's been gusting every day. But, uh, you know, Coach Craig always makes the offense go into the wind. And then we had one period where it was behind us. And so it was a little change up today. But, uh, yeah, it's wind is part of the game. Uh, you've got to be able to play in it. you got to be able to play in the rain. you got to be able to play in the cold. And a lot of times when it gets to the end of the year where the most important football is played, um, it's it's in the super cold. And so you got to be able to deal with the elements. Yeah, it seemed like in practice today, too. Uh, there's a lot of short routes being run, uh, getting the running backs involved and uh, some of the receivers as well. Uh, just how important is that to uh, get the short short yardage plays uh, worked on, I guess, early here in the season? You're talking like uh, like short yardage plays and like the quarterback sneak stuff or? Some, some of the sneaks and then I guess a couple of uh, dishes off to the side as well. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of times defenses, they'll spot drop and get deep in zones when they're dropping eight and nine. And uh, if that's what they're doing, you got to be able to take what the defense gives you. And in those situations, we want to make sure that we're not getting greedy, trying to fit balls into tight windows and trying to, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, putting yourself in a situation where you may turn the ball over. So we're just uh, really taking what the defense gives us. And if we have quick game, we're going to be able to, you know, try and get those guys catch and run, let them deliver us, deliver the mail to them, let them do the thing. So where do you what fly do you, into tomorrow and what kind of world, world, what kind of whirlwind awaits you after you land? Yeah, so I land at, I want to say like maybe 8.30 local time Eastern and my wife goes into the hospital tomorrow uh, in the early evening and so I'm not even getting to go home. I'm going to sleep in a hospital chair for two nights and then uh, take the take the kid home and I'll be back the next day. And so it's uh, going to be far from a relaxing few days, but uh, I'm excited that I get to that I get to go home and you know see you know such a beautiful moment and be there for my best friend in the world, which is my wife, and uh, you know see my boys and you know be able to allow our families to see them. And so it's a special moment. Uh, but you know, peace and we'll be here. Obviously, you know, wishing to be here with the guys on the sideline. But uh, I'll be watching from afar and knowing what's going on. So Friday is the day. Um, it'll probably be Thursday, Thursday morning, Thursday maybe morning, okay. like the yeah the inductions tomorrow night, and so I would assume that baby will be here by Wednesday or Thursday, and then you gotta spend a day to make sure everything's good, and uh, hopefully get home Friday and then come back. So do you know if it's a son or a daughter? Yeah. Boy, this will be yeah. a third boy. Oh, okay. congrats! Yeah, thank you. What's it, what's it like to be there for something like that? Oh, it's the most. It's I mean I think the most important thing we do is uh, make a decision to follow Christ and then I think right after that is us you know being there being a great father and you know John Wooden talks about it a lot is uh, raising kids is the second most important thing that we do in this life and so you know to be there in those moments to be there for your wife in a moment like that uh, when you don't you don't know what could happen you know you for you hear stories a lot where you know it doesn't go so well and you want to make sure that you're always there in those moments for your family and uh, such a significant moment like a wedding uh, or a birth of a child there's only one time you get to do that and so it's uh, it's one of those things that's super super important to me but uh, at the same time like I said you know part of me would be here you know with the guys uh, 
but yeah, it's one of those just tough situations. Where, in, where exactly in Ohio are you are you destined for? Columbus, okay. and then uh, my wife actually her OB uh, is in Marion, Ohio, which is where she went for the first two kids, and uh, so that's where I think she'll be in the hospital. So we'll be going there. Cool. Trevor, I wanted to ask you about uh, the young quarterback Shea Patterson. What do you think of his play so far? I love Shea. Yeah. He's been he's been lighting it up this last week, and uh, you could tell starting light bulbs clicking on for him. He's asking the right questions, and uh, a lot of times with the young quarterbacks, you know, it's you know it's not so much uh, what they're saying or doing; it's what they're asking and uh, the questions he's asking. It's starting. You can tell it's really starting to click together for him. And I spent some time together with Shea uh, in Montreal, and he's uber talented. Um, lots and lots of arm talent, uh, super athletic and you know it's super bright future and um, really have a lot of admiration for the guy he has a great life story when he grew up and the things that he's gone I uh, I work with Luke Molliner, but he doubles as Dave Chappelle. Uh, want a quick comment hey. about uh, Trevor Harris? Trevor Harris having a third baby and missing training camp. We've already talked about uh, um, how, my my opinion on on how soft camp is, but man, man like leaving and granted, it's awesome, but leaving for for the birth of your child that's that's a cool privilege that didn't exist i, I if that existed back when i, I would have i did nine training camps i would have had nine babies during training yeah this first exhibition game's coming up guys you know i gotta go home for the birth of my child you know what i mean like literally because yeah that's a Luke, great way Luke. and he needs and you know what he yeah. needs to cut the cap too yeah like he needs to like you know that whole oh yeah i'm really interested in watching hearing about yeah. him, you know i'll be watching no you're not trevor just go you don't ahead, think he's son. gonna be on the CFL Man. streaming site listening to us that day? Hell no. He's going to be in the hospital telling his wife to push, push, push and yeah. being the dad of the year, man. That's what he's going down His there. wife's he's... pushing. He's watching, eating popcorn yeah, watching yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how you doing, honey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, nice catch. No, not you, babe. Not yeah. you. you push I'm talking about the game. Luke, Luke has nine kids. It's the his yeah, biggest. Yeah. I would have had a, a bit... I been having a kid every single training camp. Yeah, you would have had a bit. You would have been. Your biggest payday wouldn't have been your CFL game check. It would have been Father's Day. Yeah. You got the $5 in the in the in the oh, in the Father's Day yeah, card, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, that lot of macaroni arts. When we come back, our one to watch or ones to watch for Specs by Ryan. It's the sports cage from Flamin' Sales on six twenty CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. I'm looking forward to getting home on uh, Thursday night, headed into Friday to. Um, See my family, get prepped for the game on Saturday, and get my new glasses from Specs by Ryan. Don't just get glasses, get Specs. I'm going to be looking fresh. Man. I like the way you transitioned into that. Yeah, that pretty, was that was a pro, pro, pro pro's right pro there. move yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. Trevor Harris. Yeah. Oh, I'm having a baby. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I got to have another baby. You're going to miss the exhibition yeah, game. Yeah, that's, right, that's, well, right. that's right. That's right. That's right. I love it, though, man. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to play the whole thing. I'd love to play both exhibition games. All the yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Listen, and I'll carry the equipment to the plane, too. As vets, we do not want to play. Especially in that first exhibition game. Yeah, okay. We want that over as quick as possible. Our Specs by Ryan one to watch has turned into ones to watch because I've, right. ta- I've tasked you quickly with the top 10 riders this year as we see the roster right now in terms of importance. And we go 10 to 1. Start with number 10. Yeah, I did. So I did performances. Yeah, so this far in training camp. Right yeah. now, number 10 comes in Logan Furland. Okay. Now that he's settling into that right guard role, he looks really comfortable in it. More importantly, he looks like he's ready to assume, assume a leadership role on this team. And I think that, uh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to really play well this year and, and hopefully be a guy that, that has a little bit of a breakout. Okay. So we got Furland at 10. Who do you got at 9? Sam Emelis. Oh, 
that's a good one. Yeah, I like his I really, camp so far. I really far. like what Sam's done in his camp. He's made the plays that have come his way, and uh, and for a Canadian kid that we don't talk about a ton, he showed really well, I think. How about number eight? Larry Dean. Ooh, that's a big champ one. juice. That's yeah, almost I, that's almost a little down further down juice. for me. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I think that Larry Dean, the importance, of him, and I love this guy's attitude, man. Uh, and the, the next guy too. I, I think that the more this team, especially specifically the defense, absorb this guy's uh, Larry Dean's attitude and our next guy, I think the the, the sky's the limit for the defense. Okay, really. so you've teased this enough. Who's number seven? Anthony Lanier, uh, the second. Okay, I think that um, I think that he's on the verge if he can stay healthy on uh, on another uh, for another dominating season. Okay, number six, Nick Marshall. Nick Marshall's okay. had a good camp. He, he's been vetting it a little bit. I, I didn't see him out there much today, but, man, every single time the ball comes around Nick Marshall, he's the only guy. And, and we've talked about this. There's been far too many drops um, out there. Jeremy Clark had one today. On the defensive back and the wide receiver side, it, it, that's not the case with Nick. The if that deep, comes around Nick, Nick's taking it the, back. The D-backs had to go to the jugs machine today. That's how mad yeah. the coach was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Nick that. Marshall, we were talking about this. We went for supper the other night at Amigos. He's a he is a true legend in Auburn. Like he is a legend. Guy's a, yeah, he's like yeah. his pictures. You don't everywhere. understand legendary. Like like guys, George Reed status in yeah. Auburn. Like, yeah, that's Nick Marshall. Yeah, right. Like won him a national championship as a quarterback. Yeah, like those guys, like Cam Cam Newton. Yeah, Nick Marshall. Those Tim Tebow. Think about that. Cam those guys. Newton. Those Cam guys. Newton. Imagine George Reed. Yeah, but. In front of millions more people, like that's yeah. Nick Marshall. Okay, number five. Oh, number five. We're gonna go with uh, Frankie Hickson. Okay. Um, you think I, he's I think that, t- you think, think he's that, tailback one? No, I don't think he's tailback one. Shout out to Jamal Moore. I just think that Frankie Hickson. Every time he ch- touches the ball, you're like, oh man, this offense is gonna be perfect for him. But Jamal Moore, I mean, he does. I mean, he does everything so well, Jamal. Right? Like yeah. he's gonna be. He's gonna block for the guys. He's solid on the run game. I just think that Frankie Hickson. I think that both of them together are gonna be such a great one-two punch. They're good. Year. Number yeah. four, Amari Henderson. Yeah, he's popping. Yep, I'm telling you, man. I think Demar Henderson is going to break out. He's, he's he's playing a couple different positions every now and then, but I think that I I really do see him settling on that halfback on the short side, and uh, yeah, he's having a tremendous he's a small camp. guy though, eh? But he makes up for it. Yeah, man. He's just he's, he's he plays big. Yeah, he plays big. He's got a lot. I, I like him. I think that again, and it's the second year in the system. I think that he's I think he's primed for a breakout. When I watch him play, he reminds me of a defensive Western wrestler. Right, like punches yeah, above yeah, his agree. weight. I agree. Okay, I agree. number three. Number three, Shea Patterson. Okay. Shea Patterson is having himself a camp. Uh, I, I really do think that if he continues, he'll he'll be the second string quarterback here. If he continues what he's doing right now, and that's no, that's not a that's not a punch on 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 Mason Fine. He's having a great camp too. But Shea Patterson is the the more we go on and the more we watch, the 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 brighter his star is beginning to burn. Does that make you sick to your stomach? Because he's a Michigan Wolverine. Who's got it better than yeah, us? Yeah, the only Nobody. person who brings that up is you. You keep bringing that up. <laughs> no, it doesn't until you remind me of him and, of him and uh, Jeremy Clark. He's, he's played, I don't want to keep being reminded that this guy's a Wolverine. He's played with the Alouettes, so we've kind of washed that away from him. We can refer to him <laughs> as a washed, former yeah, Alouette. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get out of here. Number two. Number two, man. And this is a good thing and a bad thing. But the number two player in camp so far and for the Riders has been Darrell Walker. Darrell Walker has been solid. Um, he's caught everything. Now, he's not the fastest guy, he's not the tallest guy, but it's clear that his veteran presence is bringing this group something. Now, the reason I say that it's not a good thing is because if Darrell Walker is our is our go-to receiver to open week one, 
we're, we're going to be in trouble long run. Like if we're waiting and, and, and salivating over KSB's return all year, uh, I don't think that's a good thing. Because Durrell Walker is a little bit older. Father Time's undefeated, right? Like mm-hmm. the camp's already starting to be a little bit of a grind. I don't know if you guys notice out there, but they, they, they're not doing one-on-ones with the defensive backs anymore at the wide receiver spot. And that's because they're, they're starting to, they're starting they're to, they're starting to get thin and starting to go down. So yeah, I think that Durrell Walker is there because he's, he's been, he's, he's another guy that's come as advertised. That's why they added that Satterfield guy, Randy Satterfield. Yeah. Field. Yeah, he yeah. came back. They had him yeah. uh, before, and now he's back. And yeah. number one, Trevor Harris. Easy. Yeah. Trevor Harris. And again, you asked me. Uh, you know, is he is he what you expected to see? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, I've uh, I've really enjoyed watching Trevor Harris this camp, and and today was was no exception. He was out there just you know um, running the symphony, but but throwing dimes uh, again, and, and it's making me it's making me really excited about the potential here for this team if they can stay healthy. You know two guys that haven't popped a lot for me in camp? Now, I don't want to overjudge because uh, this is probably the... I never get excited for training camp. Yeah. I never came down to watch it when I wasn't the voice of the riders when I was just doing pre- and post-game because yeah. I just don't get wrapped up in it too much, okay? Yeah. I think there's a lot of Terrence Nunn awards we could hand out, right? Like guys who were supposed to be these great guys and didn't turn out. But I... Braden Lennius hasn't really popped, and neither has Jake Winicky. Like, I haven't noticed much of I those two guys either. I haven't noticed Jake Winicky at all. Lennius um, a bit, but I haven't noticed yeah. Winicky at all. They've had to move Lennius around to get him the ball. But, yeah, Winicky, as far as Winicky goes, it's 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 uh, right now, yeah. I mean, That's kind of disappointing, isn't it? Mm, depends. He's a vet, right? Like, what if he gets in there and, and, and on the exhibition game and just, just blows up, right? Like, that's the thing with these vets, man. I, I've been in their position before, right, where where camp is more about maintenance than, the, you know, it's more about getting to... Survive. Getting to the the second exhibition game where that's the real tune up, right? Yeah. And when you have such a long time up leading up to the, because remember, I mean, the riders, it's so unfair. The riders had to make cuts three days into camp. Stupid. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. But especially now, like they've had to play two weeks of practice to to wait on this exhibition game coming up. That's an incredibly long haul for a vet wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. Hey, thanks for your time, man. All right, man. Yeah, it was good. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll be live from McDougal Auctioneers tomorrow. We're from Flam and Sales right now. On the other side, it's press coverage with Glenn Suter. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Busy B overhead and the Toronto Blue Jays. They are winning a baseball game up two to nothing on the Tampa Bay Rays. Bottom of the third, George Springer with a home run for the Blue Birds. And we got NHL tonight and we got NBA Western Conference final in the National Hockey League. The Vegas Golden Knights up two games to none on the Dallas Stars. Game three goes in Dallas tonight at 6 p.m. So just under a half hour away from puck drop there. And the Miami Heat will go for the sweep tonight of the Boston Celtics. Heat can punch their ticket to the NBA Finals with a win tonight. And uh, will they? Well, if they do, they will go on to uh, take on the Denver Nuggets because the Nuggets, they eliminated the Lakers last night. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Red Sox report for the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards. And hey, it's game week for the Regina Red Sox. The 2023 season gets underway this week, Thursday, May 25th is the season opener as the Regina Red Sox are in Weyburn to take on the Beavers at Tom Lang Park, followed by a Dayton Swift Current with the 57s on Friday, and then the home opener coming up on Saturday 
at Curry Field, 7 p.m. against those Swift Current 57s. And the Sox will be right back at it on Sunday at home against the Moose Jaw Miller Express. For a full list of the schedule, you can check it out on RegionaRedSox.com. And if you can't make it to all of the games, you can purchase a 2023 Flex Plan. You can use the tickets whenever you want, and you can use any amount on any date. For all those details, you can also check it out on RegionaRedSox.com. And also calling all season seat holders. Home Team Live is offering a 25% discount for season ticket holders to stream all of the Red Sox away games and other WCBL games this summer. HomeTeamLive.com for all the details. Sean Kleisinger with your Red Sox report. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Brought to you by Quality Tire, nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out online at qualitytire.ca. Suits, welcome back to the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, Calgary Stampeders beat the uh, Edmonton Elks 29-24 in preseason action. Um, I mean, the score is irrelevant. But Coach uh, Dave Dickinson wasn't too happy with his starters. He thought they didn't perform very well, despite getting some playing time against basically mostly a backup Edmonton Elk football team. Do you you read too much into that? Jake Mayer only had six yards uh, passing. Yeah, I don't read too much into the stats. Um, And, you know, the coach is concerned. He's looking well beyond the stats. He's looking at just, you know, were they ready? Were they sharp? Were they... Were they making, you know, mental busts on the field and not knowing what their assignments were, things like that? I mean, those are the those are the things the coaches are looking for, as we talked about yesterday, that are you know make or break for a lot of players. And for a guy like Jake Mayer, you're you know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about playing a quarter and not being able to you know work out of a couple of bad series, and then all of a sudden you're you're on the sideline because there's a rotation and they've got to see the young guys. So, you know, all, all of that is, it's, I, I guess the simple answer, Michael, is that, no, you shouldn't read too much into the preseason. I'm interested, though. Jake Mayer um, yeah. did well, got, got a nice payday, but he also had the safety net that was Bo Levi Mitchell behind him to help him. You know, talk, you know, and, and uh-huh. he was a professional. Probably, he didn't like it, but he helped them. There was kind of a safety net there. Same thing with Dane Evans. Dane Evans was great when he had, you know, it was a one-two punch, right, with Jeremiah Masoli. Mm-hmm. And then when he be, became the solo show, uh, it, he struggled. Uh, it became a little too much. Now he's in a situation where it's a 1A and 1B. So I'm interested to see what uh, Jake Mayer does now that he is the guy in Calgary. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you don't know until they have a chance to actually be in that position. You really don't know. That's why I always laugh when when people talk about good drafts and bad drafts. And, you know, even when you're talking NFL football and you're saying, you know, that the quarterbacks going in the first and second round are going to be these phenoms. How many busts have we seen in the first two rounds of the NFL draft? And, you know, the best of all time didn't get drafted till the sixth round. So, you know, I, I, again, you, when you take this step from college to the pros, it really becomes a mental game. It becomes a game where you have to be locked in mentally. You can't really just show up and, 
get by on your athletic ability like you you may have been able to do in college and uh, you know and that I think really separates people so Dane Evans has a chance this year to maybe come back and be working in tandem with Vernon Adams now I I understand that Vernon Adams is the number one quarterback in camp he's taking the number one reps he's with the number one team and Dane is the backup so that's that's how they're going to start this season. But he, you're right, Balzi. He he did really well working with Jeremiah Masoli when they were, you know, the tandem kind of, you know, Burgess Austin tandem. When when that was going on, that was Dane Evans' best football. So so it's I think it's very intriguing. The quarterback wrote, uh, uh, you know changes in the off season this year are the number one storyline going into the season. Calgary's got a really good running back room. Uh, it's probably it's right up there with the best. It led, of course, by Kadeem Carey. Um, how do you, how do you feel about their? They're going to be a run first team, I believe, with uh, Kadeem Carey there. I personally think he's the uh, best running back in the CFL. They've got Diedrich Mills there, that uh, big bull, and then Peyton Logan. Those two guys didn't look so good yesterday. Kadeem Carey stood out for me. I do think he's the best back in the league. And then, of course, you got the Riders here with a good one-two punch in uh, Jamal Morrow and, uh, of course, uh, uh, Frankie Hickson. Yeah, you know, I, I like I love all the guys you just named. I mean, they're, they're great players, all of them. But uh, and Kadeem carries, you know, maybe the best in the West. I, I think William Stanback, you know, again mm-hmm. coming back, he looks really good. I, I apparently in camp he's having an outstanding camp and actually looks more agile, like he's catching the ball better out of the backfield, things like that. And he's still running at about two thirty, so. 230 pounds that can that can move and move laterally and, and catch the ball in the backfield is a pretty good player. So I, I like William Stanback as one of the tops or maybe the best in the league. Uh, Kadeem Carey's right there. The question for me is always with, with coaches like Dave Dickinson, former quarterbacks that are now coaches, how patient will they be with the run game? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you shut down the run game early on Dave Dickinson – is he going to throw it 50 times in a game? And, you know, I, I think every single coach right now coming out of training camp would tell you, we want to start with physical football running the ball on first down. We want to be great at running the ball and, and you know, getting real good production on first down so that we have very manageable second down situations. That, that's what every coach is going to say. Now, you get in the game. And it's a minus one on the first run, and then the next series in, on da- on down number one, it's a loss of two or a, you know zero zero yards gained, and all of a sudden these former quarterbacks start slinging it around like <laughs> like there's there is no running game. So I'm always watching for that. Hey, Glenn Suter, I got to ask you this: How much does a does a veteran twelve year pro behind the center like a Trevor Harris? Um, I know we're not both analytic guys. We know it's part of the game. We're more uh, just old meat and potato guys. You know what I mean? I don't mean old, old, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. We watch, we we watch the game kind of in a. Not this guy on Wednesdays runs it for four point two yards when the when the wind's blowing out of the west at seven kilometers an hour. But if you were, uh, how many wins does a veteran quarterback like Trevor Harris? Just that veteran leadership, being kind of a coach in the field, how many wins can that account for? Two? What's the over-under on that, do you think? Well, just being a veteran and, you know, understanding how to win. I mean, and again, 
you know, understanding when those moments in the game when you just have to get the first down, you have to keep momentum, those types of things, or you have to bounce back when the other team does something good and scores on you. And then you have to come back and answer that. I mean, there's times when, you know, the old saying, Michael, you've heard many times, which is there's seven or eight plays in a game mm-hmm. uh, you, that, that, that determine the outcome. And you've got to figure out which one. Now, if you're trying to guess which one they are, you're probably going to miss it. But if you just play hard on every down, you're going to get it. And that's where, that's where a veteran quarterback. So, so when you're, when you're talking over under on wins, I I don't know. I, I think your quarterback gives you hope. And with hope, there is always the fight and the dog stays is deeper and stays longer because you know that the guy behind center can get it done. Even if you're down by 14 early, you're down by 21 early, our guy can get it done. That's what a veteran gives you. And if a veteran gives you that hope, then the rest of the team keeps battling and doesn't lose heart. And then you're you're always in games. If you're always in games, you're going to be well over 500 and in the playoffs. So I look at the... So I look at the rider. Yeah. I look at the riders receiving core, and I do, I I don't see a number one guy yet. That's no disrespect. I think there's some talented guys, but I don't see somebody like he's the he's the number one guy. Could be KSB halfway through the year. So that does concern me. I think the linebacking core concerns me a bit. I don't think Derek Moncrief's going to be ready for Week One. Just reading the tea leaves here. So you got Larry Dean, Micah Tights, and then I guess it's looking like CJ Revis to start the season. If you get into injury problems, you got some problems. But where I have some optimism for the Rough Riders. The quarterback's the most important position. It looks like they've upgraded their offensive line. So if you've got if you've got a, an upgraded offensive line, and I would say the second best quarterback in the West behind Zach Kalaros is Trevor Harris, then then I like the Riders' chances uh, this year. Well, yeah, and and it sounds like you know they're going to really focus on you would know this better being a camp every day, but it sounds like that they're going to you know really concentrate offensively on getting the ball out of Trevor's hands quickly, especially early on in the season, and that that's going to bode well. They also making sure you stay consistent with the running game, even if you get kind of shut down early, to stay with it, stay patient. Only if the game gets really out of hand on the scoreboard do you have to panic and start just slinging it. So stay patient with the run game so there's balance. And then, you know, your receivers don't have to be, you know, the the highly tuned veteran Andy Fantus or guy that can read on the fly and make all the different adjustments. They can be – quick game is, is easier for a receiver in some ways. They just have to get position right away and the ball arrives. So, yeah, I, you know, I think – the way that they're they're structuring their offense from the sounds of it. Now, we haven't seen it yet, so we have to wait for that. But it sounds like the way they're structuring it is that, you know, run game balance and quick release for, for Trevor. Give the O-line time to gel. They're going to be better up front. They just will. And that t- turns into play action. You can make some plays down the field. So, yeah, I you know, it's... It's it's an interesting one when you're trying to rate a team and you say, well, we're not as great at, at receiver. Does that mean we lose a few games because of that? It depends on the offense that's coordinated with those guys. Mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. Lastly, Glenn Suter, I want to get your another ru- another reason why I love our game better. So the NFL has just implemented a rule that special teams coordinators and players were against, but it's happening anyway. So 
Uh, of course, we know that the kickoff is basically useless before this. I mentioned this rule to you. It was most of the time it was through the back of the end zone, or guy took a knee in the end zone, touchback comes out to the twenty-five yard line. So what the kickers were doing is they were they were perfecting the pooch, so they get it just inside the ten at about the six, forcing the guy to run the ball out of the end zone. Well, they've changed the rule now that if the if Glenn Suter returns my kick and he's back at about the ten yard line and he puts his hand in the air and calls for a fair catch on the kickoff the play's whistled dead and the ball automatically comes out to the 25 yard line what are we doing here like another example of why the cfl is the superior game in my opinion well you know i don't want to be too hard here but i'll just say it anyway like why do they even have kickoffs why you know why don't they eliminate special teams i mean Punt the ball, and wherever it stops rolling, that's where the other team gets the ball. I mean, that's that's where the NFL's headed, you know. And I and I know there's this this discussion on on uh, player safety and how, you know, some injuries. Show me show me the stats on where the injuries happen, and if the, if if it's that overwhelming that it's special teams, well, you know, maybe you look at some rules. But I, right now, the NFL is basically saying we're eliminating the kicking game little bit by little bit. And we're going to use the player safety umbrella to give you the reason for it, which is just like you, Michael, which is why I, you know, I've said for many, many years, the CFL is so entertaining because not only offense against defense, not only the wide field and all the unlimited motion and all the the rules that, that allow for the big plays, but your special teams return game gets you out of your seat at least two or three times a game every game and it just doesn't happen in the NFL. The NFL, whenever they kick the ball, everyone goes to get a snack. I mean, <laughs> cause nothing happens. Yeah. You've got linebackers watching the ball roll down the field and then touching it down. It's the most ridiculous play in football in sports, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, you got me, you yeah, got me is. on a rant. It, it, <laughs> well, no, it's true. It's, it, it, it is ridiculous. Hey, thanks for your time, man. Take care. We'll talk again on Thursday. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. That's Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. It's press coverage. When we come back, we'll hear from the guy who is pegged to at least fill in for Derek Moncrief early on here. That would be C.J. Revis, number 22 in your program on Saturday. It's a sports cage from Flamin' Sales on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. We're about to wrap things up here from Flam and Sales. Tomorrow we'll be on the road at McDougal Auctioneers and then the Dakota uh, Dunes Casino with Sega on Thursday. I'd like to thank the gang here, Flam and Sales, for joining us or for letting us come uh, down here, pardon me, and for all their uh, support of the radio station and the rider broadcasts. If you uh, got to get in the... Uh, Shortline egg business somehow. Come check out these guys at Flamin Sales, also in the grain uh, business, and I think they're tied into uh, fitness equipment too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as a company as a whole. Anyway, it'll uh, be a great time down here. Usually, it's very busy down here at Flamin Sales, where farming starts. Uh, as we wrap up the show, I'll uh, bid you adieu, but uh, not before you hear my conversation with C.J. Revis. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So they've been moving you around, you know, 
number of different positions. Uh, what are you most comfortable? Um, honestly, I like Sam a lot. I like Free a lot. But um, I like being able to be versatile. You know, uh, the more you can do, the more valuable you are to the team. What did they use you last season? At? Like, where, where did um, they last year I was playing Sam a lot. Um, some boundary half as well too, and a little okay. bit of corner too, a little okay. bit. And back in college for free safety? Or? Yeah, I played nickel, a uh, little corner okay. too, as well. College. What do you like about playing DB in this league? Uh, DB in this league, uh, a lot of passing. It's a lot of pass, a lot of opportunities to get interceptions. You know, uh, the motions, the waggle. It makes you be more patient. I feel like you know, down south you can't obviously can't waggle. So down here, I feel like you have to be more a, a technician in your game. With Derek Moncrief uh, recovering from a shoulder injury, don't know if he'll be ready to go week one. Have, have the coaches talked about uh, you uh, stepping in there and, and replacing him until he gets back? Uh, no actual uh, word of that yet. Just uh, doing my job right now. So Derek gets back, and if uh, if not, then I'm ready to go. What's your best attribute, do you think? Um, my versatility. <laughs> That's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> so, uh, is there a different mood this year you know, compared to last year? You went through all the struggles of last yeah. year. Uh, you're finding it different this, this year? Um, I feel like I'm more comfortable, you know, last year, my first year in Canada, you know, uh, just getting used to the game, getting used to the, the rules and all of that. Now I feel more more comfortable, so it feels like I'm just playing faster. What was the uh, biggest adjustment for you? Because there's a lot of adjustments yeah, being a DB. Is, it is on um, the waggle. Obviously, the waggle, the motions, you know, I got the motion at one time. I think the waggle and the motions got me, got me a lot last year. You played at three different colleges, uh, two with, uh, you know, a history of a tragedy that yeah. most guys would be willing to go through one. Yeah. So what, what was that like and uh, what sort of impact? Man, I feel like it made me just, you know, uh, have empathy. You know, I think people grow up with not having empathy for others. I think that's something I learned really early in my, in my career, you know. We didn't take the tragedy of Virginia Tech and then Marshall as well. You know, I just feel like uh, life is hard, you know. So whenever you think you have it hard, people have it way harder than you. How do you handle adversity yourself? Man, I pray. I talk to God, my, my, my mom, my, my family, and I uh, meditate a lot too. Uh, you have a big family? Uh, yeah, I have a mom, dad, sister, and a big family, like cousins, stuff like that too as well, grandmas. What did your immediate family think about when you said, hey, I'm coming up to Canada to play football? Um, My mom was mad that I was going so far away, you know, <laughs> but but they were excited for me, you know, to give them the chance to, to uh, show my abilities. Where is your mom? Where is she living right now? Uh, Virginia. They all live in Virginia, yep. Did they watch the CFL on yeah, TV? Yeah, definitely. They got the, the ESPN Plus package, yeah. so I made them get that so they could watch me every, every week. <laughs> CBS? Yeah, oh, yeah, CBS. CBS. So it's easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, they could stream live now for free, so there you so go. So look, man, no more paying for ESPN Plus. <laughs> do you have any goals yourself individually? Everybody will say you want to win the Grey Cup, we get that, but yourself, do you have anything in your mind that you want to do yourself to accomplish the bigger goal? Uh, yeah, I just want to play my best. My, my best ball I've played in my life, you know. I, I feel like I, every, every year I, I, I get better and better. So this is year I want to put it all, all together and just show the world what, what I can do. Coaches, what are they asking from you, coaches? Uh, what do they expect from you? Uh, just do my job, you know, not 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 too much and not too less. Just, just do my job and it'll all come together. Has this uh, league been an eye-opener for you? A lot of guys come up here, I'll, I'll come up to Canada and dominate. Then yeah. they get here and it's like, hey, these are some pretty good ball players up here. Yeah, no, I don't think I had the, the, the idea that I, I would just come up here and dominate, but I respect game, you know, but I do feel like uh, you do get respect for game because it's a lot of running, man. It's like basketball on, on the field, honestly. So you got to be in shape and you got to be, at least at, at DB, you got to have good technique. So that's the that's thing I learned too. It's up a here. different type of shape here, right? Yeah, it's this, you got to run all day, man. You literally got to run all day. <laughs> breathing in the, if there's a bit of smoke, is it tougher? Um, it was tough a little bit Saturday to, to breathe in the smoke, but normally we don't we don't get that yet. 
do you know uh, how much action you're going to get on Saturday against the BC Lions? Has that been an outline for you yet? Uh, no, not yet, but hopefully we get to play a little bit, you know, get to get some chemistry with the guys, man. Just, just have fun and just fire around. Actually tackle now. We get to tackle eventually. You, know? you mentioned it uh, earlier, but is the, the the mood, like, is there a different vibe here? Last year, the team was hosting a Grey Cup. Things mm-hmm. didn't go that well. Is there more immediacy here in training camp? I think we definitely have a sense of urgency this year. You know, I feel like, you know, last year we let one get away from us. You know, we got we got a great quarterback this year. We got Trevor here, man. And I think I feel like the, the chemistry of the team is just better this year. The chemistry is way better. You know, everybody talks about Harris. Is he is he is he brought a real leadership a to the team? Man, he's a guy, man. You know, uh, he just makes you feel like you're one of the guys. You know, I feel like I feel like you have just a good chemistry. Like we're walking in the hallways, everybody's just dapping up, hugging. You know, I feel like it's just it feels like a college team, honestly. Like most NFL, like not most NFL, CFL teams, like pro teams, you don't get that college vibe. But this team, we have a, a very college-like vibe in this team. That's good. All right. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.